Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to episode oh shit, what is this? One thirty-three of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And this is uh, outside of our normal episodes because, well, it's, it's it's still counted. It's still part of our normal episodes, but it's different than our normal episodes in that this is our annual retrospective on our time at Crypticon Seattle. Uh, for those of you not in the know, Crypticon Seattle is the premier and only celebration of the macabre and horror in the Pacific Northwest. Uh if that's too fancy of an explanation, it's a horror convention. I believe the largest gathering of the macabre in the Pacific Northwest is the official tagline. I was just, uh, spit, you know, not spitballing. Um, Rambling. Well, that's my thing. That's, that's how people know me. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's a three-day celebration of horror and sci-fi. Most, I mean, sci-fi definitely has its, its place there, but it's, it's mostly horror. I'd say yeah. 98, 99% horror. Um, and it's, uh, it's awesome. It's, it's definitely smaller in scale than a lot of the more well-known ones like, um, you know, Frightmare, which is actually the same weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, Mad Monster Party and, and Monster Palooza and all those other horror conventions that you see across the country. This one's much smaller in scale. Um, but from my understanding of how these other, um, conventions work, this one is more intimate. It, it, yeah, more intimate. It's more geared towards the fans having a close one-on-one experience, not only with each other, uh, you know, and their their peers and other people that love horror, but the celebrities that come to the the convention. Um, you know, anybody that's been to a large convention with you know celebrity guests. A lot of times, and I think it might be slightly different for horror conventions in in general, but think of things like Comic-Cons, where even here in Seattle, Emerald City Comic-Con is, the celebrities are in a giant auditorium. Each one has a serpentining, serpentining, serpentining? Serpentining sounds right, because you serpentine when you're getting shot at. (laughs) <laughs> um line that just uh that just it's back and forth and some some of them have like hour-long waits um because you know to their credit they do sign the autograph they kind of chit chat with people a little bit so to give them a little bit more of an experience other than um you know here's your autograph 80 dollars, please yeah um crypticon's not like that it's um it's all about the celebrities are actually a side note I'd say. I would say so. I mean, obviously, you know, the celebrities are what's going to get people in the door. That's the big selling point. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also a big knock on Crypticon. Is people are like, oh, they don't have the, the same names that, you know, a Frightmare or a Monster Palooza has. Like, oh, well, you know, Bruce Campbell's at Frightmare. And, mm-hmm. But like you were saying, it's <clears throat> it's about so much more at Crypticon. It's not, you don't pay it, you don't buy a ticket to go stand in line. Right. And, uh. um, yeah, because those other conventions, you're going to spend all your time, you know, you wait in a line, you get up there, you meet Bruce. Yeah, Bruce is awesome. But, you know, then he, he signs your dick and then you go along your merry way and you go wait in line for somebody else. Yeah, and it's basically just that all weekend. Uh, I mean, you wander around, you look at the vendors and you do that Crypticon too. But where Crypticon, I think, has a lot of 
conventions, not just horror conventions, but just conventions as a whole, has them beat is uh, the large number of panels and events that go on outside of you know the vendor hall and the celebrities, um, you know, and that's kind of what we've been doing there for the last four years, five. Yeah, because well, the, well, the first three we went as press, right? But we did one year. There's think the last year we did press. We were doing panels. Yes, which I think was the third year. Okay, so so this would be third year, four, five, six. This would be the fourth year doing panels. Oh, okay. <clears throat> anyway, but yeah, that's that's Crypticon is much more community oriented. They're not like, hey, look at all these big stars we have. It's like, hey, have you met the Great Plot Podcast? Have you met the Bone Bat Podcast? Have yeah. you met you know this person that runs this website and this person that made this tiny little indie film? Mm-hmm. It's much more about building up the community from the bottom as opposed to just skimming off the top. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, another um, <clears throat> person that we know very well from from Crypticon uh, is a local writer named uh, Tony K. He describes it um, very admirably as uh, horror geek summer camp. And that's like the most apt description I've ever heard. Yeah, that's accurate. Because um, it's really just there. It's, a, it's an all-weekend party. You just go there. You have fun all day long. You party all night. And you come back the next day and do it again. Yep. <clears throat> that gets harder and harder for us to do. <laughs> Every year it's a little <laughs> bit harder. Um, and, you know, I saw uh, Eric, who's one of the regulars there. He posted this post. And it was like, Crypticon is the only time of year where you wake up where where you go home drunk and f- wake up at six o'clock, just hung over as shit, and your body goes, "Well, time to do it all, all again." I was like, "Speak for yourself, man." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe like the first couple of years. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I wake up only slightly hungover and still am just like, uh, I don't want to. It's like I gotta go. <laughs> shit, I got a panel in forty-five minutes. I mean, a lot of people. Like are just expecting that of themselves, and they even locals, people that live, maybe even in some cases closer to the the hotel than we do, they stay there. They, yeah, they get rooms and just stay there the whole weekend. But you know, and they get fucking turnt. <laughs> they do get turnt. <laughs> I was seeing pictures posted from parties that are still going at like three in the morning, and and later. It's like, man, maybe maybe six years ago, but now I just. I can't hang. Nope. I get tired. It's, you know, it's not even a matter of like getting too drunk or anything. I just get tired. Yeah. I mean, I can't even stay awake long enough to get drunk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially on Friday because I'm always coming right after work. Yeah. So you're tired already. Yeah. I mean, this year, because I, I, you know, I, I work closer to home this, home this year, um, you know, I actually was able to leave work and go home first and then go to the con um but it's like i was driving to the convention thinking to myself i should have taken a nap (laughs) i'm so tired that was the first thing jason said to me too when i got there uh jason mortensen the guy who who runs all the panels at crypticon i went there and i met up with him to get our wristbands and literally the first thing he says to me is con just started and i'm ready for a fucking nap (laughs) that guy is a machine though like he's I, I mean, I know he works full time, and and like probably more than full time, just knowing what his uh, what his uh, career is. Um, 
and I mean, he's 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 married. He's a dad, and he does all this stuff for Crypticon for months. I mean, it may be a year round thing for him. I'm not sure, but I know at least like the four or five, maybe even six months before Crypticon, he's running hard. Like he's doing so much shit and trying to balance things and get him all ready for the first weekend in May every year. Yep, and you know. Even when the convention starts, his job's not done. He's got to make sure things are still running smoothly for three more days. Yeah, and then he's also on panels himself. Yeah, and he's doing interviews, and um, you know that guy is a fucking powerhouse. I don't, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> um, and then he like he hosts a party every year. Yeah, three nights. Well, two nights. Um, then he probably just like goes to sleep for a week, just hibernates. Like yeah. A- <laughs> fucking bear i mean that's probably what i would do mm-hmm. <clears throat> but anyway um i do want to jump in here and say that uh this is still a full episode so we should probably still thank our patreon patrons that is a good point <laughs> that's a that's a swell point taylor um yeah so uh every month we uh receive a very uh nice donation from a select handful of people that like to um, listen to us put out this bullshit every couple weeks. I don't know why they do it, but but well, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. But God bless them. Um, those I don't have the list in front of me like usual, so I'm I'm gonna do it by memory. The Patreon app does not tell you your patrons. <laughs> okay, here I go. Kevin Nesgoda, Kevin Trent, uh, Max Zaleski. Joe, I mean, and one of them was there. You should remember him, Aaron Meyer, <laughs> um, <clears throat> the horror addicts. <sighs> Fuck, Jordan Morrison, Carlos Rodella, and Joshua Hodges. It's like a muscle that you don't exercise. You know, <laughs> it's like if I did that from memory every week or you know every episode, I you know I'd have it down. Yeah, but I just I always have the list. Yep. You're too dependent on technology. Yeah, it's true. Aren't we all? It's ultimately going to be our downfall. <laughs> uh, that's actually here. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, anyway, but yes. So thank you very much, guys. We really appreciate the donations and your, and your help every month. Um, it means a lot, and it really does help us out keeping the show running. Um, as I said before, we don't have a lot of costs associated with the show, but there are costs and things do come up. Um, and rather than having to foot the bill completely out of pocket, what we receive from our patrons really goes a long way to helping us. Um, so thank you. Uh, Taylor, if anyone else would like to join our patron crew, we got to give them, we, they have names, Gravediggers, right? Oh yeah. Okay. I'd see a lot of other you know podcasts and YouTube channels and stuff. They've named their patrons like as a group. Like I, I always forget that we have that too. Yeah. We call them grave diggers. Grave diggers. It was either grave diggers or plotheads. So that's not good. That's not a good <laughs> one at all. Um, but anyway, if anybody else wants to be a grave digger, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. For as little as $1, you can get exclusive content, including video reviews of movies chosen by the patrons. Uh, a little more gets you a little more. $5 gets your name in the show. I think we might have to restructure the tiers again because we've been slacking on doing the things that people are paying for. Like the early access? Like early access. And Nobody, we haven't done a drunken cinema in a long time. So 
Well, I mean, if somebody wants to pay us, like specifically to do a drunken cinema, um, do we have a tier for that? Well, there's a tier that's supposed to have, they're supposed to get live streams of it. Right. I don't know. We didn't really promise that, that we'd be doing it regularly. I mean, we've, we've actually said exactly that we wouldn't be doing it regularly. Sure. It's just, we both work full time. We're both kept men. We live almost 30 miles apart. We can't just fucking get plowed on short notice we have to plan it like months ahead yes, this is true <laughs> um but we should plan another one we haven't done one in a long time and we should do it that's true and i mean you know silas was hitting us up at, at crypticon he wants to get on one so right uh that's another thing about our patrons we tend to let you participate in the show yeah i mean like i said you guys get to pick the uh the video reviews that we do and it, yeah we're more than willing to let you guys you know, interact in the show. Uh, up, if you give $100, even just one month, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do it more than one month, that's fine. But once the tattoo's there, it's not going anywhere. So Yeah, I'm not getting more than one. <laughs> um, wasn't there something like if you, you, like you'd get a clover with it or something like that? Oh, that was only, only for St. Patrick's Day. Right. That deal has expired. <laughs> we should change it up every, you know, every couple months. Um... Yes, so, uh, you know, help us out. We're cool guys. Yeah. People like us, sort of. I mean, people seem to like us this weekend. So. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, oh, so you were talking about being reliant on technology, and that actually uh, called to my memory um, something I wanted to talk about. DC Comics is doing this short run. I think it's like going to be six issues. Um, it's called uh, DC... DC or deceased, like DC East. I get it. Like dead. Yeah. But DC. Not like, not like East and West. Not like, right. Like DC Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, only one issue has been out so far, but it's, uh, so far it's kind of awesome because is it basically just like the same thing as Marvel zombies? No, actually. I mean, I don't know exactly where it's going yet. Um, there's only been one issue really so far, but I read it this morning, and it's it's it looks like it's setting up for some good stuff. Um, I won't spoil the whole thing, but basically, it's kind of like Cell. And oh. I know I know you're thinking Cell sucks, but um, the way it plays out, it's like anybody that knows um, DC Comics, basically Apocalypse captures Cyborg and um, tries to program in him the anti anti-life um, equation or something. I'm sorry, I didn't commit that term to memory, but um, and something goes horribly wrong and basically it corrupts Cyborg's programming and while he's on Apocalypse he's like, so, okay, get rid of him, get rid of him, and banishes him back to Earth and when he gets to Earth, he has this corrupted signal within him that if you know Cyborg he he can reach into anything electronic. Like he could, he can mentally tap into your phone or he can plug into some government database remotely. Like he has that ability because he's just like the ultimate computer. Um, and so when he drops back down on earth, he tries to shut down all of his signals and like basically firewall himself, but he's too late because he immediately starts broadcasting to the cell phones and social media and everything around him. And this corrupted signal that he's sending out 
drives people crazy. Like they start like clawing at their heads, trying to dig their own fucking brains out. Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, you know, it goes from there. Um, so far, the, the whole Justice League hasn't been involved yet. Um, pretty much. I mean, at the you know, first couple pages, you see the whole Justice League. Um, but after that, so far, it's really only been mainly focused on, um, I mean, C- Cyborg, Superman, and Batman. Um, the rest of the team hasn't really been all that involved yet. But like I said, I believe it's a six-issue run, um, and I'm liking the way it's going. It obviously exists, exists outside of the normal, you know, the, the, the standard storyline. It's kind of a side story um, or a, a what-if world type thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it looks kind of awesome so far. So. Nice. Um, <clears throat> Oh, and just, I mean, this isn't really necessarily horror related, but it kind of some comics will show like previews of, you know, maybe the next issue or like a different comic run or something. So the thing they showed was, I think it's a new kind of a side, another side series about Batman. Basically, Bruce Wayne wakes up strapped down in Arkham, and Arkham isn't like the, you know, the uh, the dingy, dark dungeon like place. That you're used to seeing. It's basically just a normal mental hospital. But he's strapped down to a bed. You know, he's got his head, you know, uh, strapped down and he's in a straight jacket. You said he's he's Batman, not Bruce Wayne. No, he's, he's Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. And he wakes up and this doctor who's got a very familiar hairstyle, very familiar kind of slight grin on his face, and these like striking green eyes. Is his name Dr. Yoker? <laughs> No, uh, actually, Doctor Joe Kerr. I want to say his name was like Doctor Doctor Higgs or something like that. I don't really remember. Um, Doctor Yanni but Tor. <laughs> but he says, "You know, welcome, welcome back, Mister Wayne or Bruce or whatever." He's like, I'm, "I'm glad to see you're awake." And you know, I think the the medication that your that your family's uh, clinical division has been developing might actually starting to be working, and. He says, "What's you know? What's going on? What is this?" And he says, uh, "He says, I know, I know who you are. Get away from me! And he says, you let me off of this bed." And he says, "Mr. Wayne, I, I am not the Joker. You are not Batman. You need to come to terms with this and accept it that you're, that, you know, who you are, what life you live." And he's like, "You know, I have somebody outside for you that wants to speak to you, and I'm hoping that it might help that you talk to them." And then walks Alfred. Mm. Mr. Wayne, it's it's you know it's great to see you awake now, and I'm 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 so happy to see you. You know that maybe things are starting to turn around. You're starting to come to terms with things. Um, and he says, Alfred, I'm so I mean I'm so glad to see you. Let me up from this bed. Help me. Um. Uh. And you know, Alfred says, I. He kind of recognizes like uh, this isn't working. I, I can't. I'm, I was really hoping that you would come to terms with what you did and what happened and that you could maybe start to move on and create a new path for yourself. And he says, what are you talking about? It's like when you killed your parents. Oh shit. In that alley when you were a child and it kind of f- jumps forward a little bit and he's sitting in what looks like an interrogation room with, with Alfred. He says, Alfred, I don't know what's going on here. You, you need to help me understand. And he says, yeah. Bruce, I was 
like again, he kind of reiterates it's like I was really hoping that things <clears throat> would start be turning around, that you'd start making sense of what you know, being able to draw a line between reality and what you've been imagining for so many years. He's like, do you want to see Batman? Or I, I brought you your cowl. Do you want it? And he's like, oh, thank you. Yes, please give it to me now. And he pulls out from this bag. It's like this makeshift cobbled together Batman cowl. And it's attached to like a straight jacket. <laughs> um, it's just like this janky looking fucking thing. It's like this, this is Batman. And that's kind of where it's just a preview of this new. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. I mean, that could be horror-esque, depending on how they go with it. Yeah, it, it definitely could be. Kind of, you know, like Jacob's Lattery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anything that kind of fucks with your psyche like that, it definitely could. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll get into this later. If there was, you know, I, I did a panel called Is It Horror? And mm-hmm. there was a whole thing of what exactly defines horror. And, you know, one of the things, one guy in the audience kept saying is just kind of, you know, twisting your reality, taking your reality and introducing something abnormal or mm-hmm. fantastic as he kept saying yeah i think another the cat was that her name that you're on the panel with mm-hmm. she brought up jacob's ladder yeah which is much like that and um another girl in the audience i think actually her saying this was what made cat bring up jacob's ladder but she mem- uh, mentioned an episode of buffy which is almost exactly like what i just explained right that's that, what right? i was thinking as you were talking about it um and uh, yeah, I, when as she was talking about it, I remembered that episode. I'm like, that was a weird episode. She's like, for weeks, it's just like, fuck, is, is what I'm watching even like, is there even a point? <laughs> um, but anyway, anyway, so that was kind of a tangent. But yeah, reading that deceased, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I, I like to see where it's where it's going to go from here. But um, anyway, back to the task at hand. Um, yeah, so we uh, did all three days at Crypticon, as we usually do. Um, we've been doing panels for several years now. Um, it seemed like, f- for the most part, we actually did fewer panels. Um, and there actually were, seemed like, fewer panels in general. Yeah, I believe there was less rooms available. Like, some of the conference rooms weren't available or something, so they had to cut down on the number of panels. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of rooms that used to be separate rooms were actually combined. I'm not that, sure what yeah, that was about. Yeah, that could be. Um, it seemed like, I don't know of this for sure, but it seemed like there were more classes too. Yeah, I don't remember, like, like they would call them workshops, but they were more or less just panels. Yeah. Um, that's how our, our interview started out. It was supposed to be a workshop. It was part of the, um, act, was it like the actor's workshop or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and it just kind of evolved into what it became, but... Um, Anyway, uh, Friday started out um, with me doing the allyship in horror panel. Um, and I think that was actually one of the first panels of the con, if not the first. Um, I mean, well, I guess there are probably like two or three other panels running at the same time. But um, it seems like a good jumping off place, I think. Um, and I mean, it kind of describes exactly. I mean, the, the title describes it pretty much exactly. It's just. Um, talking about uh, kind of joining the horror community, um, maybe even understanding what Crypticon is and what it represents. Um, you know, I did the panel last year, and it was much different than it was this year. This year was actually more what I was expecting last year. Well, yeah, because what was the uh, the full title last year? Do you remember? Um, no. 
because it had it had some kind of subtitle. I think it was inclusion in horror or something along those lines. But I don't. I mean, I, I think you're right, but I don't recall what it was. Well, this year the official title is uh, Allyship. Welcome to the horror community. Right. And you know, I saw that and I signed up for it because, like, <clears throat> okay, that's what I was wanting to do last year. Right. And you know what I did last year was fine. It just was not what I was expecting. I felt a little out of my element. Um, but this year, that's exactly what I was in for um, and what I signed up for. So, um, But I sat on that panel with um, Tony Kay, Jennifer Lovely, um, Cody Mash. Mash ooh. It's, yeah, it's Macho. Ma- Macho or? I'm, not, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah, sorry, Cody. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good with complicated names. Um, then there's myself and Gary Washington. Um, and, uh, I feel like, like that was a good crew. Well, yeah. Like you, like you said earlier, you know, Tony K, he is, a, he's does mostly, um, critic work. He writes critical things about movies and music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what, what Jennifer, what outlet she's from. Specifically, I don't recall. Um, I, I'm, I believe she's a writer as well. I just, it's, it's so hard to remember what it is that everybody does. <laughs> and then Cody is from City of Geek. Mm-hmm. And Gary is a, uh, he's one of the curators for Bleedingham Film Festival. Right. And I think he's also a director. I believe he is a filmmaker of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it was a good, or, you know, a nice spectrum of kind of people that um, have engulfed themselves in horror. Um, seemed like a good committee to kind of introduce people into the uh the 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 crew sort of um there were a handful of people that said that this is their first crypticon um and it was kind of striking to me how many people stood up um i mean striking and encouraging to me how many people stood up and said i'm sorry i'm 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 usually very shy but you know this is my first crypticon i'm i'm really glad to be here and one person said, you know, they, or a couple, a uh, couple said they came, shit, came up from Northern California. Um, one girl says she came here from, from Atlanta. From Georgia. Yeah. Hot Atlanta. I don't think she said Atlanta specifically. I think she just said Georgia. Didn't she? I could have sworn she said Atlanta. She might have. I could be wrong. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, there are, like, especially Georgia, it's like there are closer conventions. But I don't know if especially I mean the Walking Dead is from there. I'm sure there's there has to be Walker a Walker Con. Is that always in Atlanta? I thought that moved around. I it does it. I thought they had like different shows. Like around. oh maybe that's it. Um, but I mean even still, Texas Frightmare is it's a lot closer, closer than here. Yeah, same weekend even. But like we said at the beginning of the show, Crypticon has something about it that a lot of cons don't seem to, um, and that's the community aspect of it. Um, well, especially if you are someone who's very shy and very in, uh, introverted, you know, you go to those big conventions, like we were saying, you know, you go up and you, you see Clyde Barker or whoever, and you shake his hand and you get his autograph and then you walk away. Mm-hmm. whoop de damn do like, yeah. but yeah, here, you know, you can interact with other people. The, the celebrities are much more accessible because, you know, there's this whole room filled with them. You can get your photo taken with them at the table or you can reserve a time to get a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And a lot know, of guys like, um, like you know, masked characters, uh, they'll actually actually do sh- photo shoots in costume. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, it's like like we were saying at the top. It's it's just much more community driven as opposed to just look at the celebrities that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say. I mean, I I'm kind of through I, I, either directly or through other people. I know the people that are organizing the in the convention as a whole, and you know they're they're pounding the pavement trying to get celebrities in there. Mm-hmm. And you know if last minute somebody cancels, like actually this year. They had um, some people from uh, X Files. Uh, X Files, yeah. They had um, uh, Mitch Pileggi, um, Pastori, <laughs> um, uh, Annabeth Gish, um, Smoking Man, uh, Alexandra Alexander Lee, um, and William B. Davis. And uh, Annabeth Gish dropped out like days before the con. Mm-hmm. And luckily, Brian Thompson. He was, I mean, this guy, he's in X-Files, he's in, um, um, uh, bu- 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 he was in Buffy, wasn't Buffy, he? um, Lionheart, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. <laughs> I mean, he's, he kind of, there's a deep cut there. <laughs> um, I mean, he's been around, but apparently he's a local and just last minute they called him up and he was, yeah. I, I believe he actually reached out to them. Oh really? I think I don't don't quote me on that. No fact checks. But. Oh, <laughs> well, even better. Um, so I mean, but yeah, these you know people that organize Crypticon, they're working hard to provide a you know quality show for everyone. Um, you know, with you know, like we've said before, it's just it's not a large con, so they're working with limited means and and you know things like that, and to, for them to put on the show, they do. Um, is just it, it's not. I won't say it's a miracle, but it, it's very impressive. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but uh. Yeah. So the allyship and horror panel. Um. We really just talked about kind of like what got us into horror and um, you know what um what drives us as horror fans and what it is about horror that that is so special for us and um. Now, one thing in this, I, I had raised my hand, but I, we ran out of time before I got to say my my piece. But you know, everybody on the stage said I'm a lifelong fan of horror. I, you know, the first movie I ever saw was Bela Lugosi's Dracula or whatever when I was two and two and a half years old. <laughs> but um, you know, I wanted to say that for me, it's different because I was not allowed to watch horror growing up. I right. wasn't raised in a religious household or anything, but I did have somewhat of a helicopter mom who was very particular about what I watched. <laughs> But Hi, I was, Dawn. <laughs> um, if it's not on Facebook, she doesn't know it exists. <laughs> but like, I was always really into Halloween specials. Mm-hmm. Snicker treat was my my shit. Oh yeah. And I remember being really young and really enjoying the um, Magellan's Castle Halloween special. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Eureka's Castle? Eureka's Castle. Yes, yeah. thank you. Magellan was the dragon, though. Yes. That, okay. Um, yeah, like I was always super into those, and then like. Um, the Nightmare Before Christmas came out when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I was really into that. So I didn't actually get into, you know, quote unquote horror proper until I was probably 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. But I've never had an instance in the horror community where someone was like, oh, you've never seen this. You're not even a real horror fan. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know, you guys talked a little bit about gatekeepers and how they can just go fucking shove their, well, their heads are already up their own ass. But, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah it's always like oh you haven't seen this let me lend you my dvd go see it yeah (laughs) like oh you should and then we'll talk about it right it's never been this you know snooty turn up their nose thing Mm -hmm. 
And that's just the way the horror community is. You know, it's like people want more of the horror community. They don't, they're not trying to keep people out. Yeah. They, they're like, yeah, let's talk about horror. You need to see this so we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like the whole term gatekeeper. Um, like sometimes I, f- I feel a little not offended, but like, uh, targeted or attacked by that term because sometimes I, uh, will say, you know, like anybody that listens to the show regularly knows how critical I am of James Wan and Blumhouse and people that just generally suck and make shitty movies and don't really even seem to care. And it's like, you know, people that like, oh, I love The Conjuring. Anybody that says it's not horror, that it sucks, is they're just being horror gatekeepers. It's like, no, no, I'm just trying to maintain quality here. Well, I mean, it's an opinion thing. You know, everybody's got different opinions. Yeah. And... If but it, it's, you know, it's not like you're telling someone, oh, you're not a real horror fan because you watch The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. That's sure. that's where the line is. Yeah, and it's, yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to say, you like The Conjuring, so you can't talk to me about horror. Right. It's more, let me tell you about something better. <laughs> Here's why I don't like The Conjuring. Yeah. Let's have a debate. <clears throat> I don't even want to debate it. Well, that's true. I mean, because they're just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they have to debate an idiot. <laughs> Well, it's like, seriously, if somebody has a valid argument, yeah, I'll, I'll debate them and have a conversation with them. But if somebody says, no, a conjuring kicks ass, it's like, no, you are absolutely wrong. And that's really <laughs> all there is to it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> anyway. But we can uh, still hang out or whatever. <laughs> just don't talk to me about a conjuring. <laughs> yeah, just don't talk about the fucking conjuring. Shut up about the goddamn conjuring. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm married to somebody that likes the conjuring, so. <laughs> Ew. I know. Um, anyway, but yeah, like you said, it's an interesting perspective, you know, especially for us that can be, you know, we're, we're best friends and our strongest bond is, is bred from horror. And it's like, for me, I don't remember a time not being a horror fan. Right. I don't, I can't even picture my life without horror because it's that deep ingrained into me. It's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, pooping. Sure. (laughs) I mean, it's like if you were born with, um, I don't know, let's say a third nipple. Let's let's say you're born with a third nipple and, you know, you are born, you raise, you raise your entire life with a third nipple. And it's just like, yeah, maybe it's weird, but. You've like you've had it your entire life. You don't know what it's like to not have a third nipple. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's that's kind of kind of what it's like to me, or for me. Um, and so it's like I, I think I said this at the panel. It's like horror kind of touches every aspect of my life mm-hmm. uh, in one way or another. Either it's like you know, it, it, cha- it affects me creatively. Um, if it affects me as as a you know as a film reviewer or slash critic uh affects you know me in my friendships and my relationships in general um and uh it, it is i think we all kind of agreed that horror has that kind of power to not only affect people's lives on a you know one-on-one basis but their relationships yeah and to create a community like the one that's provided and you know the one that's brought together at crypticon See, for me, it was like, 
I just developed a third nipple when I was like 16 years old. And I was like, like, oh, what's that? I was like, oh, man, I wish I had this earlier. I have so many things I need to do with it that I couldn't (laughs) do for the last 16 years. (laughs) Like, hey, dude, you want to come touch my nipple? Like, it's really cool. (laughs) It's like, yeah, man, I have a third nipple, too. I've had it all my life, but let me tell you about the cool things you can do with it. Teach me. <laughs> um, you like pizza flavored ice cream? I like pizza flavored ice cream. <laughs> we should eat pizza flavored ice cream together. Um, anyway, but that's a metaphor for sex. We, we shouldn't do that. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Our friendship's not at that level. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, and it, I mean, so that was kind of the general gist of. Um, the Ali Ship panel. Uh, it's really nice. I think, I feel like this is the second year they've done it. And I feel like they, sh- that's something they should do every year. It's like you said, it's a, it's a really good lead in to the con. It's a yeah. good intro. It's kind of a welcome to Crypticon type thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, provided they can get people that are committed to um, having an open mind and being welcoming to others, um, you know, I signed up for it because, like I said, I'd done it the year before. It wasn't quite what I expected. And this year, it was what I was expecting the year prior. But, you know, if they do it next year, it's like, I don't know. that I might sign up for it, but say, hey, you know what? If there are other people interested. Yeah, like leave me as an alternate or something. Yeah, because I'd like to see an alternating roster of sure. people yeah, yeah. on there. Um, and, you know, maybe I'd like to be part of the audience in that rather than as a panelist. Mm-hmm. So, um. What did we do after that? Uh, well, then I well after that we stayed for the Friday Thirteenth Vengeance panel, right? Um, Friday Thirteenth Vengeance is a film, a fan film, shot here in the Pacific Northwest as well as apparently parts in Florida, right? Um, the almost the the entire crew was there. A lot of the cast, for some reason, the guy who played Elias wasn't there, <laughs> even though he was at Crypticon. <laughs> who knows what he was doing? But. Uh, just sitting at his table, twiddling his thumbs, making money, <laughs> beating people up. <laughs> but no, they we'll had uh, that later. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they had director Jason or Jeremy something or other. Brown. Um, He's Brown. Let's say Brown because it's better than something or other. <laughs> uh, producer Mick Strawn, uh, Jason Brooks, who plays Jason Voorhees. Some other members of the cast who played characters whose names I don't remember because they're all made up for this movie. Yeah, one uh, I, I don't remember the actress's name, but one character is I think it was was it Alicia. No, Olivia. Tommy Jarvis's daughter. Yes, because Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance is a continuance of Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, which, as anyone who listens to the show knows, is Tony's favorite. Yes, yeah, sir. So, um, did you say, yeah, sure. <laughs> Technically what I said was, yeah, sure, sir. <laughs> but then, then CJ Graham, who played Jason in part six, actually plays Elias Voorhees, Jason's father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Steve Dash also is, is in the film. Did they say who he plays? Uh, looks uh, from pictures. He looks like he plays a sheriff. Oh, okay. But yeah. So they, they talked about the film. Um, you know, since it's a fan film, they were saying they, they're not allowed to make a profit off it. Mm-hmm. 
So they're actually donating all of their proceeds to the children's hospital. Yeah. And that was awesome. That's um, really cool. Uh, I was, I was very touched by that because my brother as a kid spent a lot of time at children's hospital and they always treated him very well. So, <clears throat> um, you know, somebody donating specifically to the children's hospital of Seattle where he did spend a lot of time was, was very touching. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like the movie's going to be really cool. We actually did get a, a tiny sneak preview mm-hmm. from Jeremy, the director. And, uh, <laughs> he keeps this clip on his phone. He says there's nowhere else. They didn't put it online. They don't have it while well, they have it on their like editing, you know, rig, but like it's, it's not on. It's like his phone filming a screen. Yeah. It's not like it's on like, his phone. It's like we did this intentionally. So it can't be stolen. And nobody else can see it. It's like, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, from what we saw, guys, this movie looks fucking brutal. It's uh, it looks like, um, it, it, it kind of looking watching the scene that we did. It reminded me of the um, the the remake, the Friday Thirteenth, two thousand nine. Um, just uh, camera work, coloring. Um, it just can't, and actually, even the way Jason Brooks plays Jason kind of reminded me of that kind of reminded me had a a Derek Mears Jason look to it yeah a little bit um not so much his look but the way he moves um and uh but yeah it's like it was like a level of brutality that I haven't seen in any other Friday the 13th movie <clears throat> like the the way that the scene is laid out we obviously don't want to give anything away but the way the scene is laid out it's like this very gradual build and then all of a sudden like i literally went holy shit yeah because <laughs> it's just it just pops out of nowhere yeah yeah and once uh i mean clearly what we saw was one of jason's kills um and uh you know when it happens like i think i went yes <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like um I mean, it's not over the top. It's not like super graphic, but it's definitely got a level of like uh, gore and brutality, brutality, violence that isn't that you're not gonna recognize in pretty much any other Friday the Thirteenth, Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty hype on what they're what they're doing. And yeah, I, I like what I saw, and um, you know, these guys obviously, it being a fan film, obviously, obviously they have this love for the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're probably going to try and get Jeremy and maybe Jason Brooks on the show at some point. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I, I would keep an eye on Friday the 13th vengeance. Cause it looks like it's going to be damn entertaining. Yeah, for sure. I wish I knew their website or anything. I think they're F 13 vengeance on Twitter. That sounds right. <clears throat> so Google it. Then after that, we actually we didn't even leave the room. Nope. <laughs> we didn't leave the room. Uh, for three hours. For three hours. Because my panel was there. Then the Friday the 13th Vengeance panel was there. And then Taylor's panel, um, wherein he uh, talked about movies that people hate. Or not, namely that... Not like, even. Just movies that, that Jason, Jason Mortensen hates. hates. <laughs> Like the film or the panel was called In Defense of Bad Movies. Right. But really it was in defense of movies that Jason doesn't like. Um, it was myself, 
Uh, Tori Sinclair Bracken, who is a tattoo artist and does something called the Bracken Basement. She didn't really specify what that was. <laughs> um, Tony Kay, who we talked about earlier. Uh, Heather Marie Bartels, who does a screening thing around the, this area that is now called Reign of Terror, used to be called Shriek. Uh, Jonah Ray from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. And then Jason Mortensen, who was the moderator. And he, he introduced the panel as, I'm going to name some movies. These guys are going to berate me for not liking it. <laughs> So he knew what he was getting himself into, and he did it on purpose. Yeah. There's a lot of audience participation in this one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, fuck you, Jason. <laughs> but also a lot of it was just him fucking with Heather. Yeah. <laughs> Who, like, it's funny because those two are actually very close friends. Right. But just, and and Heather is such a sweetheart. She is so nice. Yeah. And, like, just intentionally trying to throw her shit. <laughs> yeah, he, I guess he sent her a list originally, and she was like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to argue with any of these. These are all terrible movies. So he was like, all right, fine. Fuck you then. I'll, you want some shit? I'll put some shit on here. <laughs> so, he, so he's like, you know, Pet Cemetery, knowing it's one of her favorite movies. Her and her boyfriend came dressed up. Was it her boyfriend? I don't know. Her and the guy she was with were dressed up, or she was dressed up as Gage, and he was dressed up as uh, Pascal. Pascal. Yeah. But they, they did that because he put Pet Cemetery on this list. Oh, was it? I didn't yeah, know that. that. She, okay. she said that when we were getting started. <laughs> Um, she was like, I never cosplay. Yeah. She's like, but I did this just for Jason. <laughs> so yeah, that was one of the ones on the list, Pet Cemetery. That was, I mean, basically they, they just went back and forth on Pet Cemetery for a while and the rest of us just kind of sat there and watched. Yeah. But then, you know, Jason's like, all right, well, let me pull out my list. And the first movie he says is fucking Trick or Treat. And I'm like, dude, you know, I'm showing off my Sam tattoo. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, well, okay. I apologize that you make bad life choices. <laughs> He's he's such a fucker because he's so unapologetic with it. Yes. But basically his whole reasoning was that the movie didn't come out for two years and then it wasn't as good as he wanted it to be. It's like, yeah, man, that happens. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> and it's so, like it's not it's not their fault that it didn't come out for two years. Yeah. I, any filmmaker wants their movie to come out right away. They don't intentionally want it to sit for two years. Right. They're not like, you know what? Let's really build up this hype. Let's drag this bitch out. He said that about House of Thousand Corpses, too. And it's like, yeah, that took years to come out. Um, actually, he said anything by Rob Zombie. I, actually, he said every fucking Rob Zombie movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> House of the Thousand Corpses, uh, first, that's awesome. It's an awesome movie. And I think a lot of people, that was one of the you know, fuck you, Jason, things from the audience. See, I don't love it. I don't hate it. But, I mean, like I said in the panel, it's like Rob Zombie. What if one of my music videos was two hours long? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the thing about House of a Thousand Corpses was he made it and um, he tried to put it out, but the MPAA wouldn't give him an R rating. Like, they kept saying, no, this is NC-17, maybe even X. <laughs> yeah, at one point, I think it was X. Yeah, and... um so he went back to the editing room multiple times trying to get it in our rating. And he's done that several times in his career and it mm-hmm. drives me fucking insane. Um, and that's a detriment to his credit, I think, as, as a filmmaker. He kind of loses some credibility, I think. By playing to the MPAA? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like fucking Adam Green, man. He stuck it to the MPAA. Yeah. Told them to go fuck themselves. I mean, almost literally. Um, it's like have some fucking 
courage and you know some uh, like I know he usually releases a director's cut when the, when it comes out on Blu-ray and shit, but yeah. I don't think he's released like his full uncut version of House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, really? At least, I don't. I don't think so. If he has, I don't think I've seen it. Part of me wants to see his cut of Halloween 2 since he claims it's so much different, but at the same time, I don't because that movie's fucking dog shit. Yeah. And it's probably not any better at it's, all. I, probably not much. Probably not enough. I have a feeling that uh, Universal, whoever it was that put that out, probably said, This movie is so fucking incoherent. <laughs> Fix it. And then, like, he made it what we saw, and it was still dog shit. <laughs> But I, I can I can almost guarantee you that his director's cut is probably even more incoherent. Oh, probably. Um, anyway, but yeah, that was just among the things that Jason was talking shit about. Well, and then he also you know he also busted on um, the Devil's Rejects, which is probably Rob Zombie's most popular movie. Yeah, arguably his best too. His his argument was that he was saying that everything in it was stolen. Whatever. <laughs> what do you say? He stole lines directly from some movie. Uh, Last House on the Left, I think it was. That's right. Yeah. I I don't. I'm not familiar enough with that movie. Yeah, I can't confirm or deny. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's true. I, I doubt that Jason would just make that up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he he did concede though. He said, "Okay, Rob Zombie's a good director, but a terrible writer," which I think is fair. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, Somebody, uh, who was it that brought up um, the uh, Hot Rods and Rat Fink, or Rat Finks and Hot Rods or whatever that song is called? The, the music video in um, Beavis and Butthead. Oh, America. yeah. Yeah. I forget. I can't remember who brought that up. I think up, it was Jonah. Was it? No, somebody in the crowd. Yeah, it was somebody in the crowd. Okay. Um, that's pretty dope, though. Yeah. And I love that song, too. And then, yeah, uh, Tori was like, I really like 31. Or no, she was like, 31 was a good movie. I'm just like, no, no, it's not. No, it's, it's not good. <laughs> and she's like, uh, God, did she say Halloween? I don't think anybody said Halloween. I don't think Halloween came up. No, she said that she liked a remake of something better than the original. She's like, did anybody agree with me? And I, I raised my hand, but now I can't remember what it was. I feel like she said Halloween, but I'm not sure. If she did, I must have missed that. I must have been paying attention to somebody else because there was just a lot of talking over each other. There was. <clears throat> um, he also said every fucking Eli Roth movie ever. True enough. Which I don't, you know, some of them are okay. Cabin Fever is is, is decent. Um, I the first Hostel has its moments. I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't rave about it or anything. The rest of the Hostel movies are fucking shit. Yeah. Um. And all his more recent stuff. Oh, God, Knock Knock. Remember how bad Knock Knock was? It was so bad. Oh, my God. Like, insufferably bad. Um, it's like, this is not worth sitting through to watch that shower threesome. <laughs> Something that was not brought up, though, was House with a Clock in Its Walls, which was actually pretty good. That was, uh, uh, yeah, that was brought up in a later panel, but not, yeah. not in this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a kid movie, without a doubt, which was an interesting pick. Somebody picked Eli Roth to do a kids movie. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty solid. Um, and uh, I think Jonah brought up uh, his remake of Death Wish, which, you know. As a joke, though. But it's like, have you seen it? No. Okay. I mean, it's it's definitely no Charles Bronson, but it's fucking Bruce Willis, man. And, you know, he's walking around killing people with a big, well, actually, it wasn't a big gun, but. 
I think that's something that could have stood to change to match it up with the original Death Wish a little bit. But the movie itself wasn't that bad. Okay. So, I, like I said, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't issue just, an opinion. I thought it was funny that he brought it up kind of jokingly, like he was being sarcastic, but it's like, I didn't think it was bad. <laughs> um, what were some of the other really unpopular ones? Um, uh, well, he's, he had the fucking gall to say Friday the 13th Part <laughs> 6. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I said. Fuck you, Mortensen. I like that he, like, at the beginning, he said that the whole reason he thought of this panel was because he was talking shit about Jason X on Facebook. Yeah. And people were coming to its defense, and he was shocked. But we never talked about Jason X on the panel. Oh, I know. Well, no, actually, you did. Or was it some... No, that was my, that was my Friday the 13th panel. Never yeah. Mind. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I can't remember any others. It was Dawn of the Dead. Was the remake that Tori said yes. she liked better? Yep, that's what it was. Yeah, uh, because Jason was like, "Am I the only one that thinks Dawn of the Dead is, is dog shit?" And you know, I raised my hand. I was like, "I have a very interesting take on this." And <laughs> anybody who's listened to our review of it knows. But I basically, Dawn of the Dead is the movie that really kind of cemented my love of horror. But then when we watched it for the show, I was like, "This isn't that good." Yeah, <laughs> like rewatching it with the two thousand at the time eighteen seventeen two thousand and tens sensibility mm-hmm. and after you know all the movies i've seen since i'm like the middle of this movie is really boring <laughs> yeah like like one of the bikers showing up i mean night of the living dead is fine basically none of george romero's other movies are good I, that's a hot take i know but like seriously Savini's Night of the Living Dead was better. You better hope Eugene Clark's not listening to this. Huh? He said you better hope Eugene Clark's not listening to this. I, I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> um, I mean, I appreciate Eugene's performance in it, but that movie it, as a whole was... Conceptually, the story was stupid. <laughs> like, I mean, was it Aaron that was saying that he likes the second trilogy? Yes. Yeah, like, it seemed like... Romero's second trilogy, it was like if people were arguing about whether or not his movies were political. So he was like, all right, fine. <laughs> I'll make it really fucking political. Yeah. Um, but I mean, no, like I said, Savini's Night of the Living Dead is better. Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is better. No. Yes. It's not. Yes. It it's so much better. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I won't even get into it. D- Day of the Dead because the original and the remake suck. So both remakes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then basically everything beyond that that hasn't been remade yet was just not good. And we we've talked about it on the show multiple times how George was just kind of seemed like he was kind of losing his mind. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, R.I.P. One love, but. Gotta be real. I gotta be. I gotta be me. <laughs> um, yeah. Any, any other highlights from that? Not that I can remember right now. Right. But Bob got this really good photo of just like everyone pointing at Jason. <laughs> I don't know what was being said. We were all just like, "No, fuck you." <laughs> um. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that was, so that was basically the end of our Friday. Um, after that, we just kind of wandered around the vendor room for a little while and then we started hitting the parties. Yep. And, uh, that's kind of where the, that's kind of where the nights end more or less. Yeah. For, we didn't hit them too hard Friday night. No. Although I did drink more Friday night than I did on Saturday. Sort of. I've drank fewer drinks. But more booze. More alcohol. <laughs> um, but, you know, the the shitty thing, it's like, we talked about it. It's like, we live close enough to the hotel to where it's just like, it's silly to stay there. Why would we pay for a hotel room when my, you know, when my bed is 20 minutes away? Yeah. The downfall of that is like, I can't drink a lot. Right. Because I got to be able to drive home. I need some coffee with some drive home. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, yeah, we I, I brought a bottle of booze with me and topped off a half drink bottle of soda, just kind of carried it around. Yeah, and I had one Beetlejuice cocktail, which I don't know what the fuck was in it. Yeah, you know that that drink was probably stronger than the drinks we had on Saturday. Was it? Well, because I mean, because one it's like a mixed drink. Mm-hmm. It had more than one kind of alcohol in it. It wasn't just rum and cokes. Plus, it was the the Deadly Divas or whatever they're called. Deadly Darlings. darlings um, pouring instead of Biohazard. Right. But, yeah, I mean, that we, we kind of went there. Like, there were panels still going on, so a lot of people were still downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was kind of nice because the parties weren't too crowded. They weren't too loud, so we could actually stand there and kind of shoot the shit. Um uh, one of our, you know, our listeners and our our patrons, uh, Aaron Meyer and his girlfriend. I'm assuming. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, it, I assume it's your girlfriend. If you're engaged or married, then you know, Mazel Tov. <laughs> <laughs> um, they came up from Southern Oregon. Yeah, God, I thought just they, to see us. I thought they lived just like maybe a hair south of like Portland. Not gonna correct me. You're just gonna. <laughs> What's what you say? I said just to see us. Right. <laughs> It's like, you're just going to let that one sit. So we've got to be there. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we talked to him for a while. And um, then uh, David Howard Thornton, Art the Clown, came up and we talked to him for a while. It was nice because we kind of kept running into people that we were ha- going to have on our interview yeah. on Sunday. Um, so we could kind of introduce ourselves beforehand. So we were just. Then we talked to Glenn for a little bit. To Glenn. There's just some random guy who walked up and was like, I'm Glenn. Oh, right. <laughs> it's like. Okay. Hi, hi, Glenn. <laughs> I kept fucking getting like that kept happening like all weekend. <laughs> People just like either butting into conversations I was having, or like coming up and trying to start a secondary conversation with me while I'm talking to someone, or with the person you were talking to. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, the Friday night didn't get too crazy. Which was fine because I wouldn't have been able to enjoy it because, like I said, you know we both worked all day, mm-hmm. and then we had to go to the con, uh, and then you know we were doing panels, and it was, just, it was time to go home, go Mimi's. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so that was day one. Yep, and an hour in. All right, <laughs> strap in. Um, day two started later than uh, well. Later than, than, than years past. Years past. Um, 
because our first see my first panel, which was you didn't have any. I didn't panel have anything. Saturday. I had the day off on Saturday. Um, you were just there to support me. Yeah, thanks, I, babe. I was your your little teacher's assistant. <laughs> um, but I've, I mean, I didn't really have that much going on, but I still felt like I was running around like a chick with my head cut off. <laughs> um, we did run into Silas Dahl. Yeah, Silas and uh, and Bry Bry Troyer. Um, they're both there. of they reach fame. You know, they reach some movie that we keep talking about, but nobody's ever seen. Puppet Killer. What Puppet Killer? <laughs> <laughs> That was another person that wasn't there, curiously, because she's terrified of us. Yeah. Oh, last year, I can't get in the country. <laughs> and then this year, oh, post-production on this film I've been working on for seven fucking years. <laughs> God, I wish you listened to this. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, let's see. So I was, I was actually running. The reason I w- felt so fucking stressed out, like I'd been running around, because actually a lot of my action took place before I even got to the convention. Because it was Saturday was free comic book day, which I always like to drop into the you know to patronize my local comic book shop. Because um, you know it's support your local comic book shops, guys. Because if you're a fan of art, um, if you're a fan of uh, you know superhero movies or comics or anything geeky. Go there because they're family-run places and they're really helping keeping the industry alive. So, uh, first Saturday of every May is Free Comic Book Day. Go there. Most shops have like sales going on. Just keep that in mind. Anyway, but that was you know on Saturday, and I always like to take part in that. But before that, I was still getting everything ready for my Jason Mask class later in the day. So I was frantically getting all that shit together. Try to pack it up and consolidate it into a, you know a, a method that I could, could easily be moved around. <laughs> then I went to the comic book shop, did my shopping. Then I head up to the con, and uh, my first panel was at one. Uh, it was uh, the legacy of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, um, which I moderated, and I, you know, I didn't realize how unprepared I was. Until I was like sat down and started talking. I was like, you know, there's no way Tony couldn't talk about this for an hour straight. <laughs> I don't know what happened, man. I mean, it, it went well. Yeah. Um, I was on it with uh, Willie Greer and uh, Gory B. Movie. So our, uh, obviously our friend, one of our friends from uh, Horror Addicts. <clears throat> um, and uh, we just shot the shit about Friday the 13th for a while. And um, talk about how it... Uh, you know, kind of um, how how it's kind of cemented its place in horror history, and how it kind of spurred a, a, like a new subgenre um, in you know not just slashers, but like summer camp slashers in particular, mm-hmm. and kind of started that whole um, I don't know the craze. The you know, it's almost a trope at this point. Yeah, it, it well it definitely is, and you know, we 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 went into like kind of satire and spoofs. Um, I think Final Girls was mentioned, um, uh, uh, Behind the Mask. Tucker and Dale. Somebody actually bring that up? I mean, the guy sitting next to me said it. I don't know if you guys heard it. but Oh, okay. Um, there was another one. Oh, uh, You Might Be the Killer, which I was surprised that no one thought to bring up. I mean, not even us, but I was actually in the middle of that before you got here. Oh, really? Yeah. I have not finished it. 
Mm, mm, mm. Um, but yeah, we just uh, talked about um, not so much how it's kind of affected our lives personally, but you know, we we did say it's just like, I've, you know, we're Jason fans of the bone. Um, I mean, anybody that listens to the show knows that I am. I could, I can talk about any Friday Thirteenth movie up and down, um, you know, all day long. But I don't know. Something that I thought was really interesting was Gory talking about um, how she moved here from England, which, first of all, I didn't know. Me neither. <laughs> um, but saying that she was, you know, picked on and teased and bullied, mm-hmm. and so when she's watched the Friday Thirteenth movies, she really empathized with Jason. Yeah, um, and I. I did kind of follow up and kind of pick up, pick up with that because I've always thought that Jason was of like, kind of like these um, big four, you know, Jason, Freddie, Michael, and uh, Leatherface, that Jason was always the most sympathetic because he was bullied and picked on as a kid. Um, you know, he, he didn't have the mental capacity to really know right from wrong. All he really knew was that, Somebody killed his mother, and now he's kind of out for revenge. And, you know, this is my... You know, people come into his to his his space. He's like, this is my home. Get away. Um, he's the only one that's fighting back. Yeah. Like, you look at Michael. He's just he's just a lunatic. Mm-hmm. He's just a crazy serial killer. Freddy is as you know, arrogant asshole mm-hmm. who's... I guess he's kind of fighting back, but he's getting revenge on people who killed him for being a child murderer. Right. Um, and then he's killing their children to get back at them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you slice it. He's still an asshole. Yeah. Leatherface is probably the, the second most um, sympathetic because he's just kind of being controlled by his family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jason, he's, you know, he's getting back at people who wronged him. Yeah. And his mother. Yeah. I mean, he was the... The, the legend, because this was actually brought up, and you know, a lot of people may already know this, but Friday the 13th was never intended to be a series or a franchise. It was just supposed to be a one-off film. Um, it was never supposed to be any sequels. Um, and that's, that's very apparent because the whole design of the future films is completely different than the original. Watch them get more conversation out of this than they did in the actual panel. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but... You know the 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 original film was um, an you know uh, a, a killer POV almost entirely, um, and it was it was a, it was a mystery movie as much as it was a horror. Oh, for sure, yeah, <laughs> because you didn't know who the killer was, you didn't know who was going to be next. Um, and I, part of me wishes I could see the movie with those eyes. Like yep. as a first time watch, yeah, and not knowing, not know anything about the franchise. Yeah, before the, before I'd sequels. even seen the movie, I knew that Pamela Voorhees was the killer. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to be able to go into that movie and not being able to see it, I'm not, not knowing not that. Have. Really, I th- I think I may have like you know known so much about the franchise to to the degree of you know Jason Voorhees is the killer. He's uh-huh. the Friday Thirteenth guy. Yeah, so I I think I might have watched the first one thinking Jason was the killer the whole time. I don't remember for sure, though. I mean, that's something that they... Actually, no, they don't ever really even allude to it in the movie. Do they not? I, I thought they did. No. I, I mean, it was like the whole legend was... This the legend was that Jason died in the lake, and it kind of plays almost as like a red herring. 
Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, but uh, anyway, beyond that, it's like the killer is Jason, and you know it's Jason. It starts out with kind of a killer POV when he um, when he kills uh, Adrian King's character. I'm totally spacing on her name. Alice. I was going to say, my mind keeps saying Tina, but I'm like, no, no, that's part five or part four. Seven. Two? Tina isn't Tina the psychic one? Oh, right. I guess there is a Tina in that, too. There, I'm, I'm thinking of, there's two Tinas? She's not a primary. Well, she is. She's part of the primary cast, but she's kind of a throwaway character. Oh. Um, I'm Tina. I'm Tina. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the whole design of the, of, the, of the series changes after the first one. Whereas, you know, it starts out with this killer POV. You don't know who the killer is. And then after that, you know it's Jason. I mean, there are killer POV shots, but you know it's Jason. Well, yeah, the whole first movie, he's dead. But then he pops out of the water as a kid. Mm-hmm. But then in the second one, he's a full-grown man. Yeah, and you know, like I said, the first one was never supposed. There was never, never supposed to be a sequel. Yeah, I mean, it's alluded to. It could you know be a dream sequence. That's and, yeah. Um, and so I think uh, he did. Was it a horror show that had the theory that everything that happens on water is a dream? I don't know. There were, there was some podcast, and that that was a theory they had. That everything that happens on water in the Friday the 13th franchise is a dream. <laughs> okay. It <laughs> seems super random and not something that they would probably follow through with for 13 movies, but no. Um, or 12 movies. And uh, so I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Uh, continuity, Jason Sympathetic. That was, that was, that was back. <laughs> Was I just talking about Taylor? You were talking about derailed me. You were talking about how the shift of the franchise changed after the first one because it wasn't supposed to be a franchise. Yeah, I I mean, okay, I I guess that's it. Um, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I was talking about something else, but I don't remember what it was. Nah, you weren't. Okay. Um. Anyway, but oh, I was going to say Willie posed a question. He said. uh, um. Oh fuck! I'm having a brain fart. What did he? Oh, how do you? What do you think actually happened? It's like, where? When do you think Jason became supernatural? Um, was it at the end of part part one when he seemed to hop out of the lake, or was it in part six where he came back to life? It's like, well, I mean, it's definitely part six, and it's like, how do you think? And he says. He kind of follows up. He says, how do you think Jason came back to life? What do you think happened? Did he not drown originally? I'm like, no, I don't think he, I think that's the, what it was. He never drowned. People thought he did and just never found his body. And he washed ashore or something and um, just kind of raised himself in the woods because he was clearly not all there. Mm-hmm. So maybe he never thought to seek out his mother. He's just like, well, this is my life now. Yeah. <laughs> And then he saw his mother get decapitated. Right. As a grown man. Right. Um, but how he had the wherewithal to track Alice to her home to kill her is a little unexplained. Um, anyway. But like I said, I I didn't even realize how unprepared I was. Uh, and I, I regret that. 
I really thought that I had plenty to just kind of go off of to bullshit for an hour, but apparently that wasn't true. But I do appreciate Willie and and Gory for being very active participants and kind of uh, helping out and carrying the conversation. And it, it ultimately was a pretty good pod, um, panel, I think. So, um, and it was a full house, which I was not expecting at all. Yeah. Like, there were people standing in the back. Um, which, you know, <laughs> it was my, it was, the panel was my idea. I was the one that suggested it to Jason. I wonder if people thought there was going to be celebrities on it. I don't know. Because you had CJ Graham there. You had Adrian King there. Yeah. And then wasn't there one other person? Amy Steele. Amy Steele from, you know. So you had these celebrities from the franchise there. So I wonder if people thought, because I think, well, no, CJ was on our interview, but then the other two had did a final girls panel. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there actually was a Friday the 13th interview panel. No. Which is interesting. I think that would be something they would do. Well, I mean, you didn't really have anybody that was in the same movie together. That's true. I mean, if they had, you know, Amy Steele in Ari Lehman and well, I guess be, that would be more with Adrian King. But. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, it, it was a fun panel and I, you know, even it may have been, clunky, even though it may have been clunky at times, I've had a lot of fun, um, you know, talking about my favorite film franchise. So it was nice to getting a little vindication for liking Jason X. Like most yeah. people in the room were like, "Yeah, it's it's stupid, it's schlocky, it's Jason in space." What the fuck did you expect? Yeah, and I actually said that. It's like I constantly hear people bitching about Jason X, but it's like, like you said, it's like it's a dumb fucking movie. The plot is stupid. The acting is terrible. But it's a, it's like, a, and it, you know, it's Jason in space. Yeah, it's Jason in space. <laughs> but it's like it's a it's Jason killing people. In very brutal ways. Yeah. What do you want? Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I to this, I mean, I still don't understand why people hate Jason X as much as they do. Um, it's not like it's better or worse than you know the second worst Jason movie. Um, or I don't think that even is the worst. No, honestly. Um, but. I don't know. If you want to hear all our thoughts on Jason X, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Did we do a drunken cinema for it? Nope. We did a Patreon for it. Oh, because we did a drunken cinema too. We talked about it, but then we did it for Patreon. Mm. <clears throat> I think the only Friday the 13th we've done is the remake. As far as reviews? As far as drunken cinemas. We did well, Freddy versus Jason, if that oh, counts. Oh, yeah. That, that never... Well, that... We talked about Freddy a little bit, but Freddy versus Jason never really came up. Sure, it did. We talked about like the ideas that didn't actually happen. Oh, you're right. Yes, yes, we did. Um, yeah, how f- just stupid fucking ideas. Yeah, it's like if you think this was dumb, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's another thing. I mean, we've talked about it before. I don't understand the vitriol for that movie. It's like it's Freddy and Jason fighting. <laughs> what? What do you want? Yeah, it's like, are there stupid parts? Yes. The whole Jason being afraid of water and Freddy versus, or Freddy being afraid of fire. Yeah, it's dumb. It's hackneyed. Yeah. And I kind of analyzed that. I, I kind of broke it down a little bit, probably more than was absolutely necessary. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, there are things that, you know, I can deal with that I'm, you know, it's like, um, uh, being in a plane. 
you know, you know, flying. It's like, yeah, I can get on a plane and I can be fine. I can sit there and be calm. But it's like deep down in my core, it's like, yeah, I'm a little afraid of flying. But it's not crippling for me. Yeah. But if somebody, if some kind of fucking dream <clears throat> demon was to crawl in my head and exploit that, then yeah, it might terrify me. It's like that's totally possible with Jason being afraid of water. Same sure. with Jet Freddy versus being afraid of, or Freddy being afraid of fire. I mean, anybody should be afraid of fire. Well, sure, fire, fire, fucking, fire. it's hot. It's hot. Burns. No, no touchy. <laughs> and you can you can fucking die in water. Yeah, and fire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but yeah so like i said that was that was fun Fuck, there was i think it was a stand-up comedian i was talking about water and they're like oh well it's not gonna bite it's like i know it's not gonna bite it's water you fucking drown in it idiot <laughs> anyway so that was the friday 13th panel <laughs> and then there was the berbiglia one it's just water what's the worst that could happen it's just water i don't know he's talking about uh old mill creek no? The rope swing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot of bad things have happened in water. Most things, actually. <laughs> bad sex, for instance. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that was the Friday 13th. Uh, the legacy of the Friday 13th panel. Um, and uh, let's see. So I think we just... Did we do anything? Because my... Class wasn't right away. No, but I think we just just mold around. I don't think we actually because we went and got the stuff out of your car and put it in Jason's room. And then I think we just mold around. Oh, we went to Silas's panel. Oh, we did the screenwriting one hundred and one. Yeah, and he sat. He was Silas was on that with. Um, let's see, Seth Sherwood, John Lovett, and Kelly Kelly Young. Young. Um. Uh, there. See. Is Seth, is Seth from here? I don't know. He's always at Crypticon, so I, I believe he lives in LA, though. He's, he's. I don't know if he's originally from here, but he's Gory's cousin. Yes. So I, I just discovered from what that I understand. Um, so unless I'm, it's one of those things where she just like says cousin. It's like yo, that's my cousin. Do people do that? Yeah. It's, just, it's usually different people who don't look like Gory. <laughs> Is this a racial thing? Yes. <laughs> We're gonna leave that alone. <laughs> um. Uh, anyway, but yeah. So I mean, Silas obviously local. Um, John and Kelly both local writers. Um, I just love that Silas kept apologizing throughout this entire panel. <laughs> They're like, "So well, what's your process?" He's like, "Well, I know it's wrong, but." <laughs> Yeah, it be, it's like, Silas, just say it. Like, you don't have to apologize before you talk. I mean, I can understand his position because we. Yeah, have, he's we, a first time filmmaker. Well, he's he's the only one that's not. He's not. He doesn't have any schooling. Yeah. He doesn't have any real experience. And I can, I can feel that too because we. I remember we sat on a panel years ago with other filmmakers, like people that, you know, that's, that's how they make their living is filmmaking. And we were sitting on this. I forget even what the panel was for. But like I felt completely out of place <laughs> because we are not filmmakers. No. <laughs> um, so I could kind of understand maybe where his tension Yeah, no, I get it. I just thought it was so funny that he would be like, you know, well, I know it's wrong, but I do this. And Seth would be like, no, that's fine. Like, yeah. I do that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, 
I mean, we didn't. St- we weren't able to stay for the whole panel because we did have to go and get stuff ready for my for my class. But, um, you know, a, a lot of like motivational things kind of came out of that. It's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of myself, and you, know, you too. Uh, but it's just like, yeah, I, I really love to write a script, but it's like sometimes I don't know where to get started. I don't really know how to process my ideas. The the one thing that really stood out to me was the the vomit draft. Me too. Because every time I sit down and try and write a script, I get like five or six pages in, and I'm like, no, there's something I want to change back here. Mm-hmm. Or there's something I want to add, or there's something I want to take out. And I'm and you know, and I'm so worried about formatting and all this stuff. Yeah. But they were saying, you know, just sit down and just write, and just doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter if there's spelling errors or whatever, just get all your ideas out on paper, and then go back and just start trimming the fat. Yeah. And it's like that. It, that really stuck out to me too. And it's like, as I analyze it, it's like, God, is that even something I could do? Because I'm such a perfectionist when it comes to writing that like, I don't know, like my, my hiccup when I'm writing is that I'm const- I'm trying to edit as I write. Yeah. And I have the hardest time trying to overcome that. Um, but yeah, the whole concept of a vomit draft was kind of insightful. Yeah. Eye opening. Um, and it, it, it kind of made that element of it sound so easy. <laughs> just like, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like, why wouldn't you just put all the ideas you have down on paper? Just, just fucking do it. Yeah. And then, I mean, John was saying, you know, sometimes he, he'll just have a file on his computer and he'll get an idea and he'll just write it down and then he'll just go back to what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's something like, I have these thoughts and I'm like, well, you know, I have this part that I, this is how I want to end it. And I have this one scene that I want to do, but I don't know how to get there. Yeah. But I never just like just put it down on paper and be like, okay, here's this scene. I'll figure out how to get there later. Mm-hmm. There's this website that they mentioned that's used for like screenwriting or just I think maybe just writing in general. Like it's kind of a um, a resource site. They said that like there's this wheel that you it's like a, a plot wheel or something like that. The clock. Clock. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, plot clock, where you basically say you know okay well these these are the elements of the story I know I have. Like whether it's the beginning and the end or it's the middle and the end or the middle and the beginning or something. And you just, you don't know how to get from point A to point B. It's like, okay, well, just plot these times, these these slots on the clock and say, okay, now I need to get from this point to this point. Let's break these down into smaller points so we can get to that next plot point and just work your way from there. It's like, I can see that being very helpful. Yeah. Because a lot of times I'm a very visual person. So if I could actually see like a visual representation of basically exactly that, then maybe that would actually be useful. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway. But yeah, I mean, we, we were only able to stick around for that panel for, I don't know, about 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we had to go and grab shit from my car. So I could get prepped for my f- make your own Jason mask class. Before you jump into that, I do want to point out at one point, Silas pointed over in our general direction. He was like, my lead actor is right over here. And like, I'm like, does he mean you or me? <laughs> Neither one of us is a lead. And like, I look, turn around and there's Mary Madeline Rose sitting behind right. us. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> That's funny. I, I actually saw them walk in. So like I immediately knew who she was, who he was talking. Did about. you notice Connolly was there for like four seconds in the panel, in the crowd? 
or yeah, no, I didn't. He was in the row where we sat and he like took a picture and it was like, as soon as we sat down, he took off. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. He was walking around like he had somewhere to be. It's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, you paid to be in here. So what? Yeah. Unless he was a panelist and I didn't notice. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so next up, um, I hosted a make your own Jason mask class. Um, it was kind of interesting because it was like Skeletoni's workshop of horrors live. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And it was just as disjointed. (laughs) Um, it was interesting because, uh, Jason Mortensen actually approached me to do the class. Um, if he can teach a class, he can teach a class. I mean, I can teach a class. <laughs> what? <laughs> From The Simpsons. Okay. Um, and he was telling me, it's like, you know, we, or when I was trying to ask him for details and like how this was going to work, he's like, I'm, I'm still figuring that out. He says, um, usually people ask us to do classes. This is the first time we've actually approached somebody first. Well, aren't like you a, hot shit? It's like, oh, well, <laughs> all right. And I mean, I, I imagine that was brought on by him because there were so many Friday the 13th guests there. It was basically like a Friday the 13th convention almost. I mean, there's CJ Graham, um, Adrian King, Amy Steele, and then the whole Friday the 13th Vengeance crew. Was and there. Harry Manfredini. And, oh, yes. God, I forgot about him. Um, yeah, so many Friday the 13th people uh, were there. So I think just kind of in, in that nature that um, Jason had seen that I, you know, I make my own masks and asked me if I wanted to do it. Um, yeah, and, we had a class. And he said no, and then he chained you to the thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that thing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was. Well, it was fourteen people. The class was for class was for fifteen people. I set up or we set up fifteen stations. That's what kind of sucked. Right like right off the bat. They gave me fifteen minutes to set up. By doing that math, that was one minute per station <laughs> or per you know per person. It's like that's not practical. No. It's like just if anybody that works at Crypticon or is involved with the events, namely Jason, uh, you gotta give people more than fifteen minutes to set up. Especially in a class of 15 people. Yes. Um, anyway, so, yeah, you and I were hustling to set up, and this lady came in. I still don't know who she was. <laughs> but she came in, and she's like, hey, do you need some help? I'm like, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Helped helped us get all set up, and then she just dipped out, and I just never saw her again. Yeah, that, I... Like, I just assumed she had introduced herself to you or you knew who she was. Nope. But yeah, she just like came in, helped us set up, was really helpful and really nice, and then just took off. And yeah, yeah, we never saw her again. Well, you know, Phantom Lady, thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, I feel like you need to pose like a misconnection or something. (laughs) Um. Anyway, so yeah, the, the, uh, the class. So, okay. So the class was for 15 people. I had 15 masks, and that was a pain in the ass because I had to get the masks prepped ahead of time. Now, 
I don't know if anybody out there has ever prepped 15 masks to be painted, but it is not cool. <laughs> um, I've only ever done one for myself, and you know, I take my time. I'm not on a time crunch. And you know, actually, I probably could have started this like a month ago, but of course, <laughs> it's in my nature to do things right before I need to have them. So I actually started on like Wednesday or Thursday, started drilling out all the vent holes, clearing out the eyes and stuff and getting everything ready, sanding down the masks, putting primer coat on, and I spray painted them white because in my head, that's what I do with my mask. I started with a white base. And as I thought about it more, I'm like, wait, I don't think I did white. I And I was digging through my computer looking for pictures of my mask that I made like two years ago um, when I had Tom Matthews sign it. And I'm looking at like my progress pictures that I took and I'm looking at the one with, with just the base coat on it. I'm like, yep, that's not white. <laughs> Fuck! Fudge! This is Thursday night when I realized this. So... I, this is why I couldn't take a nap on Friday. I just re, I'm remembering that now. I went or on my way to work. I stopped at the store and grabbed the a can of paint that was the right color. You know, went to work, and then I came home. Before I went to the convention, I was respraying all 15 masks. I must have put in about five hours of work on those masks. No, ten because it took me probably every bit of five hours just to drill out all the holes. I did the math. There are 31 holes on each mask, not including the eyes. Um, and it's, you know, times 15, that was almost 400 holes that I hand drilled. Uh, and then, you know, the whole process of sanding them and painting them and then repainting them, that was probably another five hours. Fucking A. Fucking A. Um, but everything was ready to go on Saturday, thank God. And um, just because I I really wish people could have done all that themselves. When I had the when I was originally developing the concept in my head of how I was gonna do this, that was what I was thinking. It's like, okay, well, I'm gonna show people how to drill. Full start the, to finish. Yeah. And um then as it got closer and you know, I had actually put in my original description. It's like it's highly advised that the participants bring a drill, um, a hair dryer or a heat gun, um, any kind of paints that they might want to use or any other art supplies that they bring their own. And Jason messaged me. He's like, do people really need to bring a drill and a hair dryer? I'm like, I mean, they don't need to, but it would be helpful if they did. And so he just took that out of the description entirely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even the hairdryer. The hairdryer would have been helpful to get the paint fucking dry in a reasonable amount of time. Um, anyway, so he... Uh, yeah, so, okay. Um, so 15 people for the class. And everybody sits down, and I'm going through my spiel. And uh, I had two masks for myself. One that was, like, partially drilled out. And I was going to show them how to do that. Because I wanted to at least show them how to do it. Yeah. Even if they can't do it themselves. So if you want to do a mask in the future, this is where you can order them, and this is how you prepare it for painting. 
So I was just doing kind of a quick run through. I'm like, all right, now I'm going to hand out your masks. 15 masks going down the line, handing them out. And I'm all done. I got one mask left. What happened? <laughs> Somebody didn't show up. I put it aside. And, um, you know, there was this kid there. Came in with their mom. I, I assume their mom. And then she left and didn't come back to the end of the class. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if she paid to be in the class and just decided not to or what. But yeah, she just dipped out and just left the kid there. Um, the kid was wearing some uh, some Boss Jason cosplay, though. Oh, yeah. Her, his mom was, too. Yeah, <laughs> they were dressed, dressed, dressed <laughs> as Pamela and Young kid, Jason. kid Jason. Yeah. Drowned Jason. Because he was covered in like moss and shit. Yeah. Um, I like that he was wearing swim trunks. So. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so apparently my class of 14. Um, so I started you know, doing the painting and the weirdest thing, it's like I'm showing them how to paint the chevron. I just handed out like a bunch of like, uh, I cut out a bunch of templates because I, I usually just eyeball it because I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I just sit there and I'll meticulously put down masking tape exactly where I want the chevrons to be. But I knew people probably don't have that kind of patience and certainly didn't have that kind of time. So I cut out some templates to hand out. And so mm. people were kind of using those. And we just painted our chevrons and I'm just starting to get into how to weather things. And people just packed up and left. Like the class had been going for like 45 minutes. It was, it was like an hour and a half. Was it? Yeah. Oh, well, even still. Even still, that's it was a three-hour class. Like, yeah. That's only half the time. Yeah, that's like I, I, I said, you know, I don't think this is going to take three hours. But, you know, it's going to take however long until you, you decide you're ready. Or until you decide your mask is gone. Um, and uh, I guess they just thought their mask was They decided done. the Chevron was all they wanted. It seems like they didn't really do much on theirs. But, I mean, whatever. It's their mask. They paid for it, so... But, I mean, a handful of people did stick around till the end. We still had about an hour to spare. Yeah. Like, it started at 5, and we got out. At, we were done at five, at 7. Um, and, uh, you know, and probably the highlight of the class was C.J. Graham stopped in. Yeah. Which was fucking awesome. <laughs> Apparently, he was there for... Yeah, he came in, and he just standing in the back. And I'm like, like, like watching a tennis match between him and you. Like, <laughs> is Tony going to see him? Is Tony going to see him? <laughs> I was just and I like I didn't know if he was gonna say anything or if he was just gonna like duck out if you didn't notice him. But yeah, finally you 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 saw him. I would say it was probably maybe a minute that he yeah. was standing there. Yeah, I just happened to look up and saw him standing there at the back. I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> um, he's like, I'm just here to make sure you guys are being screen accurate, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, he just kind of walked around and you know just kind of. You know, joked around with people a little bit and um, just kind of look at the masks people were, were working on. And uh, he signed uh, signed a kid's mask, which was cool. Um, but I was like, no, you can't paint that. Yeah, I had the same <laughs> thought. It's like, yeah, that's awesome, but you know, we're not done. <laughs> I think he ultimately actually didn't even really do that much else on it. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I was just like, all right, well, you're you're gonna to want to be careful with that now. Um But yeah, it it was fun. Everybody seemed everybody who stuck around to the end seemed like they had fun. 
I mean, there was that one guy too who was like, you know, I, I can do all the, you know, carpentry type stuff, but I, the artistic stuff is what fails me. So this was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I, this stuff kind of comes second nature to me. I, I've never really been taught it. Um, it's just kind of my obsessive compulsiveness, I guess, when I'm, when I'm doing these kinds of things that I just kind of analyze what I'm doing and, uh, kind of see it as a, just an order of operations. So it just like, I, I don't really think about it when I'm doing it. It just, I just kind of do it the way I always know how to do it. Yeah. So it was kind of foreign to me to be teaching other people how to do right, it yeah. and trying and trying to be conscious of the fact that even though what I'm explaining may seem simple to me, it's like other people might not necessarily understand. Yeah, they've never done it before. They have no idea. Yeah. So that was something I tried to be conscious of the entire time. And whether or not I managed it, I don't know. I mean, you were there. Was it, Did it seem like I was doing a good job of trying to... Yeah, it was just the only thing I think I told you this the day of that as as an observer, it was just kind of awkward at times because everyone would be working and then you'd be like working on a mask yourself. Yeah. And so the class would just be silent. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I get it if you're in the class, you know, you're doing your work and you don't want someone yammering at you about what to do. Mm-hmm. But but just as an observer, it was like this is kind of awkward. Yeah. And it's like I've never taught a class. I mean, I've that was never like I'm never thinking I did in like high school. I was never like a, a like a student like a student led class type thing. I've never done that. Yeah. Um. I've never instructed a group of people how to do something before. Um. And uh, so it was. I wasn't sure how direct I should be. It's like, all right, everybody, stop what you're doing, and <laughs> listen to what I'm explaining to you right when now. When fingers go up, mouths yeah. go shut. So, I mean, it's just like at times, it's just like, okay, I mean, so see what I'm doing here. Like, this is how, you know, I'm doing weathering technique here. And this is what I'm doing. This is how it turns out. But it's like, I wasn't waiting for everyone to be looking at me, you know, every, you know, all, all eyes up here. Well, yeah. And you didn't like check to make sure everyone's doing it the same way you're doing it. Exactly. And, and I told that, I told them that many times. It's like, you know what? I'm going to be doing mass my way. Um, I am very meticulous about screen accuracy. That's just how I am. But this is your mask. You paid for it. You do it how you want. Um, I'm not going to instruct you on how to do your mask. Yeah. I'm just going to give you tips on how I do mine and things that could possibly help you. That's, that's what I ultimately tried to do through the whole class. And I, I think I did a good job, but anyway, so that was the the class. Um, I'd be more than happy to do it again if uh, they wanted me to, um, or just you know any kind of maybe prop making class or painting class or something. I'd be happy to do it again. And um, was that it for for Saturday? Uh, we did go to the best of 2018 panel. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, that was kind of a. Not, not not so much a whirlwind, but uh, like I kind of wasn't all there because I was kind of like decompressing from the class that I'd been stressed about all weekend. Sure, um, but yeah, the, um, on the panel, like just by the nature of the panel, it's just kind of people going, "Did you see this? That was good." Yeah, and then the next guy goes, "Oh yeah, I saw that. Did you see this one? <laughs> I liked it." Yeah, I mean, I think the main 
reason for going to that one is uh maybe, I, I mean maybe, I would say to find stuff that you that you may have missed. Exactly. Um because yeah, a lot of it was like, hey, did you see that? Or or uh, you know, this movie was good. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, uh let's see, so Gory and Danny were both on there. Bob Foster Bob from Foster. City of Geek, Tony K, and Jason Weiss. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that was the last thing we did for the night, wasn't it? Yeah, then we went and started drinking. Right. But not drinking as much. No. Because it was expensive for a little bit of alcohol. Yeah. Um, you know... When we first started going to Crypticon, the biohazard party was kind of like the place to be because they poured like these fat drinks. Mm-hmm. Like we found out like, I don't remember if it was the first Trial year. Trial and error. Yeah. The first year or second year, you know, <clears throat> it's like, oh, the problem of the dead. Yeah. That's, that's the that's spot. That's the place right? to be. And Those drinks were expensive. No shit. Um, and it's like, I wasn't doing, I mean, I'm not doing you know, I don't have money falling out of my pockets right now, but I'm I'm doing I'm more financially secure than I was back then. So, you know, expensive drinks weren't really on the menu back then. <clears throat> but biohazard party was always really cheap. Um, they can't I think the system is they can't legally send you sell you drinks. So they sell you tickets and then you buy the drinks with the tickets. I don't know. It's a really dumb loophole. <laughs> I don't know if it is a loophole or if it's that's just how I'm interpreting it. I've never really asked anyone. It just, I'm pretty sure, like, unless they have like a bar, like a license, license liquor to license. sell license or liquor, which I mean, I, I feel like they, they probably don't, considering they're not in a, like an establishment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean that would make sense to me. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, I don't know what the purpose would be of selling you drink tickets at all. Yeah. But it's like. The drinks are fairly cheap. I mean, there are two tickets, and you know each ticket is a dollar, so it's two dollars per drink. But there's so such little booze in there. I mean, I can understand. I mean, they're serving potentially hundreds of people every night, and um, and then you know they got to make things last. But it's like I don't, I don't want to be drinking all night just to get a buzz. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hung out there. Yeah, we hung out with uh, with Silas and Bry. Yeah. Um, Bec- Becky and Brad. Do they work for Dread Central? Um, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think he said he used to. He said he used to write for them. Yeah, and he's also the one of the directors for Telluride. Right. Yeah, you know, Becky is from here. Um, I think she's a. Is she a writer or a filmmaker of some kind? I don't know. All I know her from is that the Dread Central presents. Yeah, I feel bad because you know I've, there's a lot of people that we meet at Crypticon. You know, people at this point we can like, consider friends, but it's just like people know us because th- that's like kind of our identity. They know. Well, I don't say everyone, but a lot of people know that we do the Grave Plot podcast. That's you know you were wearing a hat, the hat all three days. And yeah. Your, your hoodie, I think, all three days, too. Um, so we're just kind of walking around like these, you know, glowing advertisements for our show. So people just know that we're the Grave Plot guys. 
but a lot of the people they either like do so many different things or I just I just don't know what it is they do and yeah. I feel bad because I just know oh yeah those are my buddies from Crypticon right um so but yeah we just run those parties are awesome because you you run it if you don't see all those people because you're running around all day to going to different panels or you know you're all doing different things at different times that's usually where you run into everyone yeah is at the end of the night everybody comes upstairs to the parties and you're just hanging out with with your people that you haven't seen since the year before um and um the one person we didn't really get to hang out with was uh kim yeah we kind of saw her in passing and yeah she was going into a panel as we were coming out yeah but like she said you know as soon as i'm done with this panel i'm gonna go up to the 13th floor but we just never ran into her well we ended up going to that fucking karaoke yeah because of fucking silas and bry and we ended up ditching out on like all the parties for what felt like all night. I don't yeah, because we had to wait for Silas to sing his stupid song. It's like I would have been more than happy to hang out and do the you know do karaoke, and but it seemed like they were running out of booze. That place was had what seemed like twenty people in there, and it was just this tiny little room. Yeah, it was like half the size of all the other suites. Yeah, and it's like. Want to go? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, I was done drinking. I'd spent all my tickets, and I didn't want to buy any more. So it's like at that point, just like okay, yeah, I'm waiting for Silas to sing so I can leave. Um, we did keep knocking Silas's name tag on. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> just being fucking bullies. The best was we did it while he was singing. Yeah. And then Tony's like, "Oh, it's right here." Picks it up and throws it. <laughs> It was it was awesome because the room, like the karaoke room, was was uh, had like black plastic down over the carpet, and then yeah, Taylor knocked Silas's name tag off because he he's dressed as uh, Sean from Shaun of the Dead, so he had this name tag with his name on it. That was redundant, <laughs> but Taylor, it's just how. But it had his name is the point. It didn't right. say Sean. Yeah, um, but it was just held on by a, like a, it was a, like a magnetic one. So Taylor like. Slaps it off of his chest for the probably the the tenth time that night, and it falls face down, and the back of it's black, like shiny black, just like the plastic that's on the bottom <laughs> of the, or that's on the floor. And this room is pretty much only lit by like a black light. Yeah. And so I was just like, we're all three kind of looking at the floor trying to find it. I'm like as he's singing, yeah. And I was like, oh, here it is. And I pick it up and I throw, throw it across the room. <laughs> Fuck you, Silas. <laughs> It's funny because he'd do the same shit to us. <laughs> That's how we can get away with it. Uh, and we're bullies. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, actor's choice? Here's my choice, bitch. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, so that was Saturday. Um, we called it a night there. Um, and uh, yeah, Sunday for me was the day I was looking forward to and dreading all weekend. Why is that? Well, let's see, do we have a panel first? We had the podcast. Yeah, we panel did the first. podcasting panel, which is that's just like old hat. Yeah, we won't we won't get into details on that here because it's just like talking about how to start a podcast and where to host your podcast, etc. And it's 
not an entertaining thing to talk about on a podcast. Yeah, if you want to know about that stuff or how we do our thing, send us send us an email or hit us up on Facebook or something. We'll be more than happy to go over the details with you to kind of get you started on your own podcast. Um, but I mean, we sat on it with uh, with uh, the Reverend Elf in Fuego, uh, Justin Robinson, and Steve Hollitz from Bone Bat. Um, and uh, both great guys. We, we've this is the second year we've done done it with them. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun to just kind of talk shop with them. So uh, after that was the big event for us, like probably the biggest event that we've had at Crypticon before. Yeah, the the Modern Monsters interview. Yeah, we uh, we talked to David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown in Terrifier. Eugene Clark, who plays Big Daddy in Land of the Dead, and the two Jasons, Jason Brooks from Friday the 13th Vengeance and C.J. Graham from Friday the 13th Part 6. And Friday the 13th Vengeance. And Friday the 13th Vengeance, yeah, he plays Elias. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, we tried to make it a point throughout the weekend to introduce ourselves to everyone ahead of time. And the only person we didn't manage to get to before the interview was Eugene. Um and it was actually just by chance that we actually saw everyone else. We, yeah, like we ran into CJ in the elevator, right? Ran into David at the party, and uh, just uh, bumped into to Jason after the Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance panel, um, and just never never got a chance to see Eugene beforehand. So it was kind of first interaction with him. But um, yeah, I was I was sweating that all weekend. Like I couldn't not get it off of my mind. Like, uh, and I don't know, I think the thing that was making me fret so much was the fact that it was four people that had nothing to do with each other. Well, I mean, except for Jason and CJ. Yeah. But even that, it's still slim. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've, we've had multiple people on the show before, um, but it's never been face to face. Mm-hmm. Never been in a room full of people. Yeah. Um, and you know this is kind of our reputation online too, or on the line too, because like if we fuck this up, then you know they may never ask us to do do a, a, an interview again. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, we I mean we went in and uh, sat down, and Eugene, man, he's a talker. Before we even got started, he just started going off. Yeah, it's like I I was another thing I was worried about. It's like, are we going to be able to fill an hour? Because I still have that fuck up. Uh, the first year we did panels, a fuck up in my head that when we did the, that Halloween horror or the holiday horror panel, and yeah. we had we ran out of things to talk about after half an hour. Um, and it's like even though we've had successful panels since then, that's still in my head as like this colossal failure. So it's like if we run out of things to talk about at this interview, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Um, but I mean, with interviews, it's like, you know, these people want to talk about themselves. Yeah. And so you can just ask them a question and just let them go. And, you know, these people, you, it's funny because it's four guys who don't talk on screen. Yeah. And yet you ask them one question and they give you a 15 minute answer. Yeah. And that was the thing about Eugene, especially, is he, he wasn't even prompted to, to, uh, to ask a question or answer a question. And, He's, he he must have taken up like the first ten minutes of the, <laughs> of the panel, uh, just talking about. I, actually, I don't even remember what it was he was talking about at the, at the time, but 
like in my head, I'm like, all right, good, good. Keep talking. <laughs> this is excellent. Um, because you know, he had the he had the crowd involved, everybody was laughing, he was kind of involved in the other other people on the the other guys on the panel. Um, but eventually it got to a point where he kind of looks at us and it's just like, oh, okay, we're gonna get started now. <laughs> um and I don't know. Like I've explained this to other people since then. Um, you know, meaning like my wife and my dad and uh, it's like, you know, how, how did the interview go? It's like, you know, being being on the podcast, doing this for so long, you know, being the one that edits it, when when I'm listening through the show and finding out, finding all those really long, awkward pauses where it's just like we don't know what to say next or maybe we're like looking something up. It's like I'll cut those down. I won't cut them out completely sometimes like maybe for like comedic value or something. Um, but if it's just like weird, I'll, I'll get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and as a result, I think for doing that so long is like, I hate awkward pauses in, in conversations. It makes me feel so nervous and it just, and anxious. Um, so I was constantly worried about having dead air in our interview that was not a problem. No, it really wasn't. But in my head, it was going to be. And I kept like, I was constantly on guard about that. So a lot of time I felt like I was like, I, I may have been trying to like jump on things before you were able to say things. Did you ever feel like that at any yes. point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I was, <laughs> I was just so fucking in my own head. I, I, I kept like trying to be conscious of that and make sure that like I was giving you space to talk, but... Or just next time kick me or something. <laughs> I mean, it ended up I had probably one of the most memorable mo- memorable moments of the whole convention. You did. I think I, I had a lot of people talking. <laughs> I, I asked what I thought was a fairly innocuous question. <laughs> I, I just said, you know, as four characters who don't speak, and, you know, the, the Jasons, you guys don't even show your face, how do you portray emotion? And CJ goes, well, let me show you. Come up here. So I'm thinking he's going to like show me something with his eyes mm-hmm. or like a way to, you know, move your head a specific way. But he grabs me around the shoulders and freaking lifts me up, shoves me backwards and just throws me back in my chair. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was good. And uh, like I said, I told you that day, it's like, I, must have spaced out for like half a second or something because I saw you get up. I saw CJ come up to you and then suddenly he was grabbing you and shaking you and throwing you. It was so fast. Yeah. Um, Like I had no idea what he was going to do. And then all of a sudden he just had me. (laughs) And he even said like, he like grabbed me kind of around the shoulders, just like, you know, just relax. And then all of a sudden it was just like, yeah. (laughs) Uh, and I had no idea what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like shoving me back. I mean, like he said to you, you know, he, we were just kind of bumping chest, but I didn't know if he was going to like throw me off the stage or like smack me upside the head or yeah. something. I had no idea. Yeah, it's like part of me was jealous that he did it to you, not me. But at the same time, it's like, you know, my neck and my back are so bad. That... Your pussy and your crack. What? You don't remember that song? My neck, my back, my pussy and my crack. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, no, my my neck and my back are just 
not in good shape. So it's like if he would have done to me what he did to you, I probably would have been hurting for a couple of days. <laughs> but like later he said something, you know, like he kind of apologized without apologizing. <laughs> and I was like, you know, people pay Kane Hodder good money to choke him. So I think it's kind of like an honor to get attacked by Jason. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole panel went there, the, the interview or panel or whatever you want to call it went really well. Um, and I was really sweating about nothing. Yeah. I think everybody was thoroughly entertained. Yeah. Like, yeah, people were laughing, um, you know, mainly at the four guys on stage, but you know, we even had our own laughs of our own at, at, at times. So yeah. That was, uh, uh, encouraging. My, my biggest laugh was when David Howard Thornton was saying he saw a little girl dressed as art and he told Damien Leone, he was like, I might be this generation's Freddy Krueger. And I was like, okay, chill out. <laughs> Um, it was funny hearing him and Eugene talk about growing up in the South. Yeah. Or Eugene's talking about like having a Southern black, a, a black Southern mama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, uh, David's from like Tennessee or something. I'm not sure. Um, I, I know he's from the South. I, I don't remember exactly where, but CJ I, said Eugene was from Louisiana. Right. Um, and, uh, but yeah, David's just like, you know, you'd say Southern black mamas, but I think it's just Southern mamas in general because they're talking about breaking off their own switches. Yeah. <laughs> and his grandmother bringing a tree branch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then him using that as in Art the Clown. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, using the look that was on her face in his portrayal of Art the Clown. That's great. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, there's. It, it was. I mean, it was a long, hour long conversation. So picking out like highlights was. It was kind of all over the place. You know, we asked him like, um, I, I think the first question I posed was like, "Hey, tell us how you came about your roles, like how that happened," and like, I made it a point that I d- I didn't want to ask questions because I, I had told you weeks ago that it's like I've been watching and listening to interviews with these guys, so I know what questions are being asked all the time. And I want to try and avoid those. Um, and pretty much the question that everyone asked was, how did you get the role? I felt like that was kind of essential. Yeah. So I just I just asked it. But I think everything else that I asked was pretty much not anything that I'd heard um, anyone else ask. So, um, but I don't think we even got through all of our all of our questions that we had written down. No. Because, um, yeah, like those guys, I mean, they they would carry off on their own conversations. Mm-hmm. There was a couple times where Eugene would start talking about something, then he'd just be like, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, something occurred to me afterwards, and um, it, it what what made me think think of it and realize it later was something that I think it was David was talking about um, I think he said like, oh, you know, me and this guy in Charlotte were doing something. Just like, okay, these guys, they're not in the same films together. They have very little to do with each other, um, you know, as far as acting goes. But they are all doing this the convention circuit. Mm-hmm. They've invariably been on at the same conventions together. So it's like, they may not be like best friends, but they probably know each other fairly well at this yeah. point. 
So it's like they were probably really comfortable with each other. Well, especially CJ and Eugene. They seem like they really had some kind of connection. I don't know how much they've, you know, paneled or whatever, whatever together, but they, yeah. they definitely seemed like they went back a ways. Yeah. And they they bantered to, quite a bit. They seemed to bond as the curmudgeon, the old yeah. man. <laughs> and CJ, he said he was 62. 62, I, yeah. I mean, man. Hope I look that. Well, I don't even look that good now. He's but. very strong for sixty-two. I can tell you, <laughs> dude's fucking big. I mean, he's taller than you, so he's got to be like six four, six five. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can personally attest he's very strong. <laughs> I mean, dude, he's got a fucking biceps that are as big as round as my thigh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's a fucking intimidating guy, and you know, we ran into him on Saturday in the elevator. Was it no Saturday, right? Yes. And. Uh, it was just the three of us in the elevator. It's like, hey, CJ, you know, want to introduce ourselves, and we're, you know, Tony and Taylor. We're going to be talking to you on Sunday at the Modern Monsters panel, and, and he must have just been fucking around with us because it's like, so what if you guys just, you know, what if you do the talking and I just kind of sit there? It's like it would be fitting, you know. Jason doesn't talk. It's like, ah, yeah. It's like, please talk. <laughs> Don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Please talk at the panel. Um, but. Afterwards, you know, when the, when the interview was over, we were just kind of doing final rounds around the vendor room before we were calling it a weekend. And we just happened to run into CJ who was walking around. And we stopped and just talked to him for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like right there in the middle of the he vendor floor. He was super nice. Really nice guy. Um, and, he, you know, he brought us back to his table. He, he, he was thankful f- to us. Yeah. He's saying, you know, you, what you guys do is, you know, every bit as important as what we do, you know, because you guys are putting... You guys are, are are generating exposure for what people like us do, and you know, you know, the social media podcasts—they're so important for creating a community like this that kind of builds builds up the genre, builds up uh, the arts. Um, just like, thanks, thanks, man. <laughs> that, that makes me feel real good. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, come back to my come back to my table. Let me let me get you guys a. a Sign, sign, sign some, sign some pictures for you. Um, it's like, all right. It's like, he's like, which one do you, you know, he had all his pictures out on his table. It's like, which one do you want? I'm like, actually, I, I have this if you don't mind signing that. And gave him my mask. <laughs> it was the same mask that Tom Matthews signed two years ago. Yeah. And he, Tom Matthews signed it right in the middle of the forehead, which is like kind of the prime real estate. Yep. I'm like, here you go. It's Tom signed it a couple of years ago. He kind of took up the the good spot. <laughs> And he's like, oh no, it's fine. Tom's a really good guy. I'm like, yeah, he was really nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we, you know we talked to um, David more. I mean, we we talked to him at the party on Saturday, Friday. Um, was it Friday? Yeah, talked to him at the party on Friday, um, and then again for I don't know five ten minutes. He was smaller than I thought. Okay, I thought that was just me. Yeah, I. In Terrifier, he looks like he's tall as a you know, as, at least as tall as you. Yeah, he looks very intimidating. Um, and yeah, when we saw him in person, he, I mean, he was maybe as tall as me, a little, maybe a little taller. Yeah, just like he, I mean, he, it's because he he's so narrow, he looks really tall. But um, yeah, I was definitely expecting him to be much taller. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny, Art is such a fucking maniacal psychopath, and. David Howard Thornton is like the nicest fucking guy. <laughs> like, I like really enjoyed talking to him because yeah. he's just like 
Super down to earth. Yeah. And it's like, he wasn't like, I mean, he's, he's fairly, you know, relatively new on, on the scene and, you know, doing uh, conventions and stuff. I mean, I, I know that he does them. He probably has for the last couple of years, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to somebody like CJ or Eugene or you know, people that have been doing panels or uh, conventions for years at this point, he's still kind of fairly new to the scene and very down to earth. Yeah. Um, it's just like talking to a buddy, you know. Um, I guess he doesn't really have that. He hasn't developed that. Uh, that ego? Not not ego, but like that convention shtick, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's and you know, something that was very nice um, and actually want, made it a point at the end of the interview to say it's like, you know, we've talked before about being at, at Crypticon and by Sunday, a lot of ceb- celebrities just seem really checked out. Yeah. Like they just want everyone's to exhausted. Yeah. They just want to go home. Um, and it's understandable. But at the same time, it's like getting paid to be here. People are paying you to to see you be, to be there for them, so it's like maybe put on put on a happy face, yeah, just at least for a few more hours. But these guys were so energetic and so that was another thing that I was stressing about: the fact that our interview was on Sunday, and like towards the end of the day on Sunday, yeah. Um, it's like these guys are going to be exhausted; they're not going to want to talk. It's like we're going to have to be like prying question and or answers out of them. Um, but they were really energetic. They're really happy to be there, um, and so yeah, just like you know, as fans, I mean, we've we've had our experiences with celebrities just seeming like they don't want to be here by day three. So just as fans, and you know, I think probably on behalf of the audience here too, just want to thank you immensely for you know being here for us, giving it your all. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So that was the end of that. Um, and then you had to immediately go into another panel, right? Yeah. I had the, the, is it horror panel, which I know we're starting to get long on time here, so I won't, Yeah, I'll try and uh, keep it concise, but it was, it was interesting because I was in a panel with John Lovett, who is a screenwriter and a producer. So he's kind of been on both, um, both sides of pitches. And so he looked at it very kind of analytically Mm -hmm. and very much like, you know, this is what makes it a horror movie in in a screenwriter's eyes and this is what makes it a horror movie in a producer's eyes yeah and then uh there was also cat murphy who i'm uh, i apologize i don't know what her credentials are but i think she said she was a filmmaker is she so okay but like the point i kept trying to hammer home was to me there's not this you know hard fast checklist that you go oh yeah me checks all these boxes so yes it's a horror movie to me, it's more of a feeling that you get when you watch the movie. Like, does it instill fear? Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, you know, it's kind of taking reality. Even movies that are, you know, based on a true story or whatever, they're, they take your reality and they kind of twist it and they make it larger than life mm-hmm. or something unexpected. And so I don't think that you can just, you know, obviously every producer wants to put everything in a box. They, they want to know, is it a horror? Is it a thriller? Is it a comedy? Is it a romance? Whatever. Yeah, and that's that was something interesting that, John especially was kind of really driving home the separation between horror and thriller. Yeah. Whereas on the show, we've talked several times about how like thriller is kind of of a subgenre of horror. Yeah. 
and uh but it was like his classification his classification kept being like if it's a uh antagonist who is real it's a thriller and if it's someone who's supernatural it's a horror and so i brought a point i was like by that definition then the first friday the 13th is a thriller yeah i was like when it's clearly a horror the first five yeah and you know and then you got to put you you're putting michael myers you know that would be a thriller mm-hmm. and so I, I don't think that you can just say you know these are the rules of what makes a horror and what makes a thriller and i think it's more of when you watch it do you feel the tension do you feel you know that your heart rate increase and like you were saying i think i think thrillers and horrors are hand in hand i think a thriller is basically just a different genre of horror yeah i think a movie like a seven is is considered a horror mm-hmm. i think seven is one of the scariest movies out there it's pretty fucked up yeah you know john i mean kevin spacey isn't it <laughs> and we all know what he did yeah um john said that he brought up um die hard and he said what kind of movie is die hard you know, some people from the audience said it's action, you know, action, action, adventure um, movie. Christmas. Christmas, yeah. And he says, but at its core, it's a romance movie. It's a man trying to get his, you know, trying to get his wife back, getting back with his wife and his family. It's like, sure, yeah. And then... But it's like if you're looking at every film that that way, are you just going to look at what's the MacGuffin and then that d- dictates what kind of genre it is? Yeah. And I actually said later on, I you know, raised my hand and said, you know, kind of going off of what John said earlier, saying that um, Die Hard was a romance movie. You know, I've got two examples in my head. They're both both happen to be zombie movies, but you think of something like Shaun of the Dead. The rom zomcom. Yeah. So, you know, when you break it down, sure, at its core, it's a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Then you think of something like Walking Dead, which at its core is a political drama. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I, I continued on. I said, I think that horror, as it expanded as a genre, started to kind of spread out into all these subgenres. Mm-hmm. But now, as it becomes more popular, and maybe like these subgenres are being kind of uh, um, del- not deleted. weaned out. Well, they're they're just getting like uh, overcrowded, even oh, even sure, the subgenres sure. that is kind of starting to come back together, and all well, these crossovers are happening. I mean, we talked about you know so much of it is that whoever it is doesn't want to call a movie a horror. Because either it's a critic who doesn't want to admit that they like a horror movie yeah. or it's, you know, the studio trying to get an award and there's no categories for horror. Yeah. <laughs> that was nominated as a fucking comedy. Come on. Yeah. Uh-huh. But so for whatever reason, you know, they didn't want to call it a horror. So it was like, well, it's not really a horror. It's a, you know, comedy horror or it's a romantic comedy horror. It's a thriller or whatever yeah and so yeah it just kind of started bleeding into these other genres because they didn't want to just call it a horror Mm -hmm. and then yeah yeah, as horror is kind of seeing this resurgence they're just being like oh yeah it's a horror movie you could the kids like horror movies right yeah yeah i mean it's 
they can try and ignore it. Like, you know, people like the, um, like the MPAA who seems to have a hard on for giving them, for giving horror movies, you know, decent ratings or, um, you know, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the Academy. Thank you. Um, who just basically like begrudgingly is is trying to accept horror movies into the ranks. It's like they can keep doing it as much as they want, but horror isn't going anywhere. It it hasn't. It's been around since the fucking twenties. Yeah. Um, and it's all it's done is gain, you know, gain popularity. At no point did like it ebbs and flows, but it's, it's still there. Yeah. It's still a constant. It's, it's, it has an ever changing face. I mean, uh, you know, in the eighties, it was hidden behind masks in the nineties. Well, it was still kind of hidden behind masks, but nineties saw really a rise of like the serial killer kind of. Yeah. But not, not quite like we saw in the eighties. This is, it was a little different. I mean, nineties were more like reality based serial killers. That, yeah, that's true. Um, and then, you know, the, the aughts and so on were mostly fa- around, uh, ghosts mm-hmm. so i mean like i said it's it's having it's had an ever-changing face but it's always been horror yep um and yeah it's it's not going anywhere so you know love it or get out yeah get out get get you better get get out of here franco <laughs> <laughs> all right that's a great place to end. That is a good place to end. <laughs> um, so that's crypt- especially because that's the end of the convention. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, Crypticon 2019 from the perspective of the Grave Plot Podcast. Uh, it was another good year, guys. Yeah, a lot of fun. This year was interesting because it was like our time there was more concise. Like our stuff was really close together, so we kind of were just there for our stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we got to walk around all the the vendor rooms, got to talk to some really cool like artists. Um, you know, the people from the Evil Dead Two Escape Room. Yeah, got to talk to them. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of cool stuff there. Yeah, it's uh, it's f- whether you're there for a day or all weekend, it it doesn't really matter because you're gonna have fun. It's there's so much to do all day, like any given day. Uh, I mean, I think Friday it starts at what? Three four. is it four. Um, so, I mean, that's the latest it starts. Um, and it goes until, I mean, the, the events on Saturday go to like one, I think. I, I'm not sure. I don't have an answer for you. Remember I, <laughs> for the first few years we went there, panels went until like, 11 at night yeah no shit um anyway but yeah basically from morning until night there's something to do yeah and i mean we can't stress enough don't focus so much on the celebrities yeah like yes you can go and you can meet these celebrities and they're awesome and you can get your pictures with them and get your stuff signed but there's so much more to do Mm -hmm. um yeah and you know like any other convention the ticket prices vary from day to day uh, or if you get a weekend pass, um, but it, it really doesn't matter. You go any of the three days and you're going to have some fun. Really. I think the only thing you should gear your time around is like, if there are certain panels that you want to see on a certain day, then, you know, aim towards that. But 
really, you're, you're not going to have a bad day. Um, and there are ones in Minneapolis and Kansas City. You know, we can't talk to the uh, I don't the, think the quality. Do. What? I don't think Minneapolis one's a thing anymore. Oh, they cut Minneapolis? I think a long time ago. Oh, okay. Well, there's one in Kansas City then. <laughs> um, we can't speak to the quality of that because we've never gone. But if it's, if it's you know, it's the same parent, umbrella. So yeah, Same parent company. Um, I would say give it a shot by all means. Yeah. Anyway, so that's going to do it, guys. Um, thanks to Crypticon. Uh, thanks to Jason Mortensen. Um, for organizing it and welcoming welcoming us back every year. Um, thanks to our, our Crypticon family, um, Horror Addicts, everybody at City of Geek, um, uh, Tony K, uh, Bone Bat, Krusty Bumbles, Krusty Bumbles. Um, God, I'm, I'm forgetting so many people. I know it's like you don't want to start going down the list because you know you're going to forget somebody. But but you know you're you're all our, all our friends, all our family, and, and we love seeing you guys every year. And we wish it was more often, but you know it's just, it's like this fun little getaway where you could see all your all your friends, all your camp friends. Yeah. Um. So look forward to seeing you guys next year. Um. We're gonna be back with another episode two weeks from now. Back uh, to our regular scheduled format. Yep. And uh, what are we going to wa- be watching, Taylor? Uh, it's going it's gonna, to be our salute to Park Ranger movies. <laughs> we're getting, we're That's getting a re- thing now. We're getting really obscure with these theme episodes. We're really off base. Uh, we're going to be watching uh, Jen Wexler's The Ranger, as well as Roxanne Benjamin's Body at Brighton Rock. Yes, sir. I've heard a lot of things about Body at Brighton. Really? I've heard nothing. Really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see. You heard good things? I mean, a mix of things, but okay. it seems like mostly good things. That's good. Good things. Good things. Good things. Good things. Um, and I've honestly heard almost nothing about the Ranger. Oh, all right. I remember Sil- Silas at on Friday or Saturday. Saturday, he's like, I saw the trailer. Whatever. <laughs> okay. I remember it was announced like in October that it was coming to Shutter, and it just came to Shutter like yesterday or something. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, cool. So, look out for that episode, guys. Till then, Taylor, where can people find us? Best place to find us is graveplotpodcast.com. You can uh, subscribe to the show wherever your podcasts are found. Leave us a rating and review. Send us an email. Let us know you did. Tony will send you a free magnet. I will. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram as graveplotpodcast or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. And if you would like, so to support the show monetarily in exchange for exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Yeah, do all that stuff. Word. And give us money. Give me that fat unicorn on my ass. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm still so tired. <laughs> like, just fucking burning the wicket both and ends. Going back to work was not not a good time. I'm off for a week, but I still, I just did not sleep enough, and I'm so fucking tired. This can't wait? Aren't you done? No. You said all the things. (laughs) That's staying in. (laughs) I thought you were dead because you said all the places to find you, and then you said you tired. Come on, cheese. Cheese!
All right. All right. Well, on Jesus, that note, Jesus has something to tell me, so we got to go. All right, guys. So we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. <laughs> I am Taylor of Terror. Cheese, you want to sign off? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're still not done. This has been the Great Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs> <laughs>